Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis where it's 7 o'clock time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler Brooke Grimsley is here, Danny Mack Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker great to have you with us, how are you and kids on a meh Taco Tuesday. Just a meh Taco Tuesday? Oh, baby, it's going to get worse. Why is it just a meh? Well, it's Oh, not Tuesday. the weather again. Yeah, well, first of all, second alert weather here on 101 ESPN. Right now it's 58 degrees. Uh, by the time we finish our show, it'll be 68 degrees. By the time we get to 1 p.m., it'll be 78 degrees. And then we'll have a record high of 80. And then tonight uh, it's going to get colder. And by the time we get to uh, 3 a.m., it'll be 36 degrees. So uh, we're going to go from 80 to 36 in the space of about 10 hours. Oh, totally normal. Yeah, it is. So I, anyway, I guess that's it a, is a meh a second, second, alert, second alert weather for you here on 101 ESPN. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good. Good. Tra- traffic and weather together on the ones. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> taking a look at uh, westbound Olive Boulevard in Creve Corps. Uh, looks like there's one or two cars on the road. You can go as fast as you want. Just uh, if you get pulled over by a Creve Corps cop, just tell them, hey, Randy said I could. Oh, see, see how that works. No, no let's not do that. <laughs> no, but there is plenty of room for you out there that we shouldn't have any accidents on Olive this morning. As we get look up on uh, 270, you got traffic to deal with. Just deal with it and enjoy the show this morning here on 101 ESPN. I'm Captain Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN Jet Copter 2. Traffic and weather together on the ones. A little That's slick good. outside, by the way. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. That's yeah. great advice just to say, deal with it with the weather. Yeah, that's... Deal with it. That's, that's all we can do. There you go. That's why we're second alert. We got quite a show for you coming up. We're going to... Uh, while you look at that, can I give a couple of shout-outs? Yeah, yeah. Shout-out, shout-outs are great. Okay, City, uh, my son played down there yesterday, the oh. 09s, and they have like their practice facilities, they have their fields for those that are developing. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I mean, it's incredible. So City is doing things right. Um I'm, I'm just very proud that they're here and my son. This is one of the reasons that I went in front of the Board of Aldermen is so that my kids could enjoy seeing a game, but much less being able to play mm-hmm. down there. So that was a lot of fun. And then the Summit Baseball Program uh, and all the spring sports that are going on fired up yesterday for high school. And so I emceed the Summit Baseball Program on Saturday and they've got a hell of a program. They've won state, finished third. But this is about all the kids that are starting up the spring uh, summer or spring sports in high school. And that's a gr- uh, gratuitous shout out to my son. So nice. why not? It's it's very Good. individualized with that shout out. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> no problem. Uh, John Kelly will join us from Winnipeg at eight fifteen. Blues and Jets tonight. Pregame at six. Action at seven here on one hundred and one ESPN and uh, our City SC 
MLS squad, well, the, the, the big squad, the CONCACAF squad, is back at it as well. And the Cardinals will be in action today against the Red Sox. Sonny Gray. Gets his first start in a Cardinal uniform. What are you going to do if Sonny Gray just deals? Deals today, deals all season, deals in the postseason. I will be absolutely thrilled. Will you come out and say, you know what? I may have been wrong about Sonny Gray. I will, yeah. Okay. I would love for that to happen. Good. I would love. I, I always enjoy history. Uh, and <laughs> Randy, <laughs> well, come it, on. It, it, won't you think if he winds up being an ace that it'll be an historic event? Why would it be historic? Because nobody has ever done that at the age of 34 outside of the steroid era. Uh, I, I don't mean, know if, if it would he, be historic. It would be a nice feather in the cap to the Cardinals to go out and get him for three years and $75 million, yeah. where the first year of the deal is really good, and then fingers crossed in the next two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they can turn him into something that he's never been before. Uh, his record in September is not great. His record in the postseason is not great. If he can wind up being that Chris Carpenter type ace for the Cardinals, man, I, I will be more than happy to say I was wrong about it. What if he's able to duplicate what he did last season? Well, the, then that's exactly what I expect. That's, I, You're just worried about the years before. Well, he, he went. They, the team went 14 and 18 in his starts last year. He, an 87 win team that he pitched for went 14 and 18 in his starts. That's what I expect. He did have the third best ERA in all of baseball. He, so he did. Yeah. You, there's other Some factors guys, that go in yeah. with this in terms of run production yep. behind him, yep. uh, mitigating factors yep. that he has nothing to do with. Th- that's exactly right. And there are pitch makers. It's, uh, it's interesting. Matthew and I, uh, Jose De Leon, rest in peace, just passed away. Yeah. Jose De Leon had unbelievable stuff. He sure did. Always had a good ERA, but couldn't find ways to win because he wasn't a pitch maker. And sometimes the, the guys have high ERAs and don't wind up uh, losing a lot of games. You, you can ha- win with those guys because some people just know – how to make a pitch when it counts. I would say that his slider calls it a sweeper, maybe as a difference maker going into this season. I mean, last year he gave up just 15 hits and 195 at-bats with that pitch. Mm -hmm. That's something to maybe consider in a positive manner going forward. Right, no doubt about it. Okay. One thing that we have going for us in St. Louis, as we know, is the free zoo. And it's making its way, the knowledge of the free zoo is making its way around Major League Baseball. Yesterday, the Cardinals signing 37-year-old Brandon Crawford as a backup infielder in case there's a problem with Mason Wynn. Brandon Crawford has five kids. What are they going to do during the summer? They're going to take advantage of our free zoo here in St. Louis. (laughs) Randy, you're saying that's why he came in? Who was it that was asking... uh, so, oh, somebody wanted to know. Is oh, it was Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, is there anybody else on the team with kids? And so that's how they wound up with uh, 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 the, the Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo, because uh, Will Smith signed with them, and Will Smith is trying to recruit Lugo. And uh, he says, "Hey, did anybody else on the team have kids?" He said, "Yeah, I do." And then they signed Michael Walker too. But you don't have that problem at all with the Cardinals. They're, they're, no kids are going to be running over the clubhouse now. <laughs> so, what do you guys think of the signing? I love it. I actually like the signing a lot. I think it makes a lot of sense. One, it seems like there's still a lot of questions surrounding Tommy Edmond and his recovery from wrist surgery. And two, you add that veteran, obviously veteran presence behind Mason Wynn. Mm-hmm. I think that it makes a lot of sense. And Dan, you've been talking about it for the past few weeks that they should have gone out and got a veteran's shortstop, and now they did. Yeah, Nick Ahmed was the guy that I really wanted to see here in St. Louis. He's a tremendous defensive player. I don't know if the price tag got out of their range. I don't know what he signed, signed for. A league deal. Did he see sign? And this yeah. is a major league deal with Crawford. Now, this guy, I know he's 37. He can flat out pick it. He can mm-hmm. still play defensively. 
it'll be interesting what he does um, offensively. It's another voice to hear from a four-time gold glover from Mason Wynn. I think that's a positive. And it also, to Brooks' point, it's not only about Edmund, but it's about Donovan, too. Because I think you could have spotted Donovan at short. Mm -hmm. And by all accounts, his arm probably isn't ready Mm -hmm. to take that on. Um, And Edmund would have been an emergency situation that if Mason Wynn couldn't go, that you'd have to play him. It also tells you a little bit about what they think of the depth in the minor leagues at this position. Those players just aren't ready. Um, Where it comes to a little cause for concern for me is that if I put Dylan Carlson and shift him into the starting lineup, and let's say Tommy Edmonds starts on the injured list and Carlson isn't on the bench, it's primarily an all-left-handed bench. You've got Burleson, Carpenter, Crawford, and then your backup catcher who hits right-handed, Yvonne Herrera. So, you know, that's not ideal. I think you'd like to have it two and two, but three out of the four are lefties. And things have changed so dramatically with the DH, you shouldn't have to pinch it that much. Agreed. Agreed. Right? 100%, Randy. And, and the other thing, too, with this is that what happens, and again, these things usually have a way of taking care of themselves. It's an old baseball mm-hmm. adage, but man, it is true, is what happens when Tommy Edmond is healthy. You got guys on major league deals. Mm-hmm. So what happens to Brandon Crawford? What happens to a Matt Carpenter? You know Burleson isn't going anywhere. Just something to think as they go down the road. I'd be very curious of when they think that Tommy Edmond would be healthy and ready to go. I can see Burleson being optioned because he has options. It's a good point. Yep, that could happen too. Yeah. And, and you never. it depends on how Dylan Carlson starts, right? If Dylan Carlson continues performing or gets hurt the way he has the last couple of years, then I, I think the Cardinals all all of a sudden have to take a look at, okay, how viable is he for our future? Yeah, I guess it is just really, one, my first reaction was, okay, this is depth and because you have some of these injuries. This helps Mason win. This is beneficial. And then my second reaction was, man, it's going to be really weird seeing Crawford as anything other yeah, than a yeah. giant, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> and you got to watch him because your son is a Giants fan, Randy, over the years. I've seen him a lot in spring training. And uh, the movie Zootopia where there's the sloth, anything that is not, <laughs> when he's not playing, he walks slow. He takes it easy. He doesn't expend any extra energy at all. But then when he gets out there and plays, he, he plays. 1992, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that was the year that there was talk that the Giants would relocate to Tampa Bay. And I think it was 1992. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the San Francisco Chronicle, there is a picture of a young boy, and I'll paraphrase what the poster said, but it said something like, please don't move our Giants. Right. I love our Giants. That picture was of a young kid named Brandon Crawford. He is a Bay Area kid, so he grew up a Giants fan, played for the Giants, was part of their three World Series team, integral part of those teams. And I'll say it again, he could flat out pick it. He's a very, very good uh, good defensive player. Yeah, and he's also a guy, Crawford is. They signed Marp for leadership. Crawford is a guy that players can go to in September and October, or he can go to them and say, okay, here's what's going to happen in September and October. It, there's such a big difference between winning baseball in September and October than any tie, any other time. Remember Dan in 06 when the veteran players, after everything happened so bad and they just got sunk in the World Series in 04, and the veteran players went to the kids, and Chris Duncan and Brad Thompson were a couple of those kids, and said, hey, look, slow this down. Oh, just yeah. breathe and slow it down because it happens so fast. And Crawford's a guy that's been through it enough that can go to young players or veteran players that have never won a World Series and say, just slow this down. Man, they wanted veteran presence. <laughs> they, got they got it. it. They've they returned it. almost 50% of their roster Yeah, for it's, guys that are going to be starting on opening day, yeah. whether it's a Mason win um, and, and some of the other older guys that they brought in for the rotation. Do you want to... 
veteran leadership, man, you got it in a big way. Absolutely. I wonder what Nolan's reaction is to this. Because Nolan Arnato, that quote just keeps sticking in my head yeah. of where he said that last year the clubhouse was overran by young players. Mm-hmm. That now is just sta- is standing out even more. So when you see this. Yeah. It's going to smell like Ben Gay in that clubhouse oh, this year. Randy, no. <laughs> There's a lot of age in there. Uh, the Blues have activated Justin Falk from LTIR. He will play tonight against the Jets. Matt Kessel is apparently going to stay in the lineup. Uh, Bannister, uh, Drew Bannister, the coach, saying, when you look at the body of work that he did, we weren't putting him in as a number five or six defenseman. He came in and had to play tough minutes against good players. I thought some nights he excelled at that. As a young player, I think the drop-off is a little bit expected, but you'd like to see the bounce back a little bit quicker with Kess. He played within himself when he first arrived, kept things simple, got pucks up for our forwards. He was hard to defend. Now I think instead of making that first play, that was available. He's looking to upgrade at times and see if there's a next play. That's when you get yourself into trouble trouble because it happens so quick. I've been impressed by Matthew Kessel, honestly, though, yeah. since coming in. Yeah, yeah I'm disappointed. Yeah. I, I want to see him continue to play. He was so good initially. I, I just... I want to keep watching him play, watch him develop. I understand that as a young player, you're going to have some downtimes and maybe a bad shift or two or a bad mm-hmm. game. I can live with it, though, because of what I saw initially, the way that he played. And the Blues are locked in. There there really wasn't another move yeah. with Falk mm-hmm. coming back unless you got rid of somebody, got, got them out of the organization. So Kessel going back to Springfield to... Uh, season himself up a little bit more. And this is also the stretch of 8 of 9 on the road. And if you're going to make the playoffs, you need your best players on the ice. And that's Justin Falk, who's one of your best defensive players. So get him back out there and see what he can do. And he's missed 12 games due to a lower body injury. So I'm very interested to see what he looks like coming back. Because as you just mentioned there, you need him as a part of this playoff push. But is he fully healthy and ready to go? We'll find out. Yeah. And hopefully that veteran presence will bring something to the Blues because they need it during this road trip. That's Brooke, that's Dan, I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, would Brandon Crawford have happened if the Cardinals were confident about Tommy Edmond being ready? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We've talked before about the reactive nature rather than the proactive nature of the Cardinals in terms of making moves. And lo and behold, they signed Brandon Crawford after Tim Anderson signed with the Marlins. Nick Ahmed signed a minor league deal with the Giants. Ahmed Rosario went to the Rays for a million and a half dollars. Kike Hernandez went back to the Dodgers and Gio Urshela signed with the Tigers. So all of those shortstops slash third basemen were off the market by the time the Cardinals got to Brandon Crawford. Not saying that it's a bad move on the part of the Cardinals, but they did react. And it seems like here we are right at the end of February. Tommy Edmond had a surgery in October. Mm-hmm. Seems like the Cardinals should have had a better idea. I don't. Maybe something happened. Maybe there was a something that happened to aggravate the injury. But it seems like when you have October, November, December, January, and most of February, five months, you should have a pretty good idea as to how long it's going to take that injury to heal and, and to, to be ready. Seems like the Cardinals were kind of late to the game in terms of getting at depth at the shortstop position because we all looked at the roster and we kind of knew that Buddy Kennedy, Buddy the Elf, and uh, uh, Fermin were not going to be the answer. I, I think that's safe to assume. So you hate to have to do this and the Cardinals, I think, got lucky with Brandon Crawford. But what's to say about Edmund that you sign a guy like this that's been around forever and is 37 years old because you're concerned about him? 
it's very concerning. I think that it's fair to also question it a little bit because of the manner in which that we found out about the whole Tommy Edmund wrist surgery to begin with. Don't you guys remember that? That it was a little bit more of a surprise that we thought that we had already addressed all of the offseason surgeries. And then it came out a little bit later on that Tommy Edmund did, in fact, have wrist surgery. So even the manner in which you found it out was a little peculiar. And we saw with this past season where how things can really fall apart when injuries come about. And you could kind of see that with the season where it takes one injury and how it affects several other guys. I do like Crawford bringing him because it gives you more insurance. And also with this Tommy Edmonds situation, what does this mean for Dylan Carlson? Does this give him more of an opportunity? You hope that he'd be able to run away with it. I would assume he's licking his chops. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know he doesn't want to say that his teammate is hurt and that's a good thing, but for him and his career, it's going to give him a chance to start you would assume, and take the ball and run with it. I want to go back to the Edmund thing. I, I would imagine they're surprised, too. I mean, if you look at it, if we're looking at it that way, I'm assuming they felt like he would be ready to go for opening day. And this tells me that there's real concern that he would be available and ready to go for opening day. But if I'm Dylan Carlson, I'm saying this is a great shot for me. I want to go back to the bench just for a moment, too. So currently constructed, saying that Carlson is in center, Burleson, Carpenter, Crawford, all left-handed bats. And then Herrera, your backup catcher, right-handed. Contreras started 89 games, finished 81 of them behind the plate. So what does that mean? If he's not behind the plate and Herrera is, where does Contreras go? That would be the designated hitter. Then where does Nolan Gorman go? Or does he go to second base mm -hmm. and Brendan Donovan becomes your utility coming off the bench, but still left-handed hitters. It's it's going to be a very left-handed bench right now currently constructed. And how many pitchers in Major League Baseball, I think you have this statistic as well, are left-handed pitchers? It's about 30% that start. That's it. 70% mm -hmm. is right-handed league-wide. So if I'm an opposing team, I'm loading up with my lefties coming out of the bullpen. It, just, it would make sense. Right. And what you have to do if you're the opposing team is hope that you can get the left-handed hitters out because it won't be too long before you see Goldie and Arenado and uh, and Jordan Walker again. Yeah, I, I agree. And so you know, it's a move that I think we're diving into maybe too much. You know, on it on the surface, it just seems like okay, they got a backup guy. He's going to cover some of the innings potentially if Mason Wynn falters or gets hurt. You have a reliable backup that could play every day, and uh, and away you go. I mean, we're looking at it diving deep into this thing, and I, I get it. That's what we do. But on the surface, it it's just. You know, you signed a 37-year-old backup that's got three World Series rings, can still pick mm -hmm. it, and two years ago was a front-runner for an MVP. Can I throw a possibility out there? Okay. Tommy Edmonds is not a great offensive player. Could this team be better because of this injury? I, I, if, it's you're dependent on Carlson, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Carlson's got much more offensive upside than Tommy Edmond does. Carlson is a, he, he's a really good center fielder when he's healthy. And we, we saw it in 21 when he was third in the National League Rookie of the Year voting. He's got the skill set. My question is, and everybody's question is, can he apply those skills? But if he can, then all of a sudden you've got a better offensive player than Tommy Edmond is. Well, here's the thing, is that I also think that Dylan Carlson is probably your best center fielder, honestly. And I like Tommy Edmond and everything that he's done in center field. But at the same time that I think defensively, we can all agree that you like Dylan Carlson as your main center fielder. But will he be able to really seize this opportunity is a big question. Separate conversation, but I believe that for Matthew Libertor too, for both of these 
these guys, Dylan Carlson and Matthew Libertor, both have two huge opportunities to really seize this moment right now. Will they be able to do it? Because we have been waiting for them to do it. I uh, I like Dylan Carlson. I think he's a great kid, and he got a chance to play every day and didn't make the most of it. And so now going into 2024, this is his opportunity. Um, I think if you're a really good team, Dylan Carlson comes off your bench. And I like Tommy Edmond defensively. I think if you're going to see him play every day, you'll be more impressed with him every day because he's such a good athlete, can play center field. Um, I just think that if he, if Dylan, Car- if you are a very good elite team, and in this case he's pressed into action to be a starter, I like Dylan Carlson coming off my bench to be able to spell any three of the outfield positions. Yeah, that, I think that's fair. That would be an ideal situation. Exactly. And the other possibility here, and it depends on how long Tommy Edman is out. Wrist injuries are dicey. I mean, we had a year with Andres Galarraga. Remember when he broke his wrist like on opening day, and we never saw him again until September. So you never know with a wrist. But depending on how long Edmund is out and what Carlson is doing and what Victor Scott is doing, you might see Victor Scott sooner than you expect to, too. That you guys, we, we threw out, I guess it was last week, who's the player you're most excited to watch mm-hmm. in spring? Mine was Victor Scott. And... I can understand where you'd go with, okay, Nolan Gorman, he's going to be healthy, and I want to watch Mason win this exciting arm, and it's going to be the everyday shortstop. And I believe me, I'm excited to see those guys and Jordan Walker in his second year and playing Major League Baseball for the second time, getting that first year out of his way. Victor Scott is a game changer if he gets on base. Now, it's really, really early, but if he goes out and plays well, that that is exciting to see him at AAA build on that and then eventually get mm-hmm. the call up uh, at some point this season. Victor Scott, I think, is very an, a very intriguing option because I think a lot of fans are also excited to see him. But this feels like Dylan Carlson's opportunity to lose at this moment, correct? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. I would say that for sure. Yeah. I, I don't see Victor Scott even if Carlson has a poor spring. I, I just don't see it happening. Now, stranger things have happened, but I think they'd give him every shot to. Win the job if you're Dylan Carlson coming out of spring and be your everyday center fielder. And you're going to see him get a, probably a ton mm-hmm. of at-bats now in spring training. Let me throw one other set of numbers out there for you. And the, this might mean nothing because it's last year in the minors. But against left-handed pitching, who uh, Brandon Crawford won't play against, Mason Wynn, 353 average, 1.064 OPS. Against right-handed pitching, Brandon Crawford is a left-handed hitter, uh, Mason win 264 with a 749 OPS. So there might be an opportunity, especially against really tough right-handers, for Brandon Crawford to get a little bit of playing time. Maybe he's not going to be a play- guy that only plays. If, he, if he's here for 162 games, if Win continues that trend against uh, right-handed pitching, maybe Crawford gets another opportunity. And I'll also point out Crawford was terrible offensively last year. And it might be a way to ease Mason Wynn into Major League Baseball. So if you see, as a coaching staff, man, it's starting to catch. It's getting really fast on them. It's, it's, things are happening here that aren't going in the right direction. Pull them out of the lineup. Give him a day. Mm-hmm. Give him two days. And you know what you're going to get out of Brandon Crawford. He's a given what you're going to get from him. But I think you hedge your bets, too, with Mason Wynn. You're putting a lot on his plate. Young kid, being everyday shortstop. And who knows? He may just take this thing and run with it, never come out of the lineup. But you're at least covered that if he is having those weeks where I'm sure he'll have a few games that look ugly because he's so young, and if it's going south, you just – Give him a little breather. Let Crawford play and send him down, set him back, not send him down, but set him back. 
Let them work on some things before games, in the cage, during games, and just understand that we're giving you a mental break, which he's going to need that at some point. If the season's going well for the Cardinals and for Mason Wynn, what is your expectation for how many games that we'll see Crawford in? I, oh, I would like to see Mason Wynn play 130. That was the, my if, number. If the season is going well, so that leaves if you— If not more. Yeah, right. If yeah, not maybe, more. Maybe 140. But So that gives you 30 games for Crawford. That's what that, I would say, would too. That would be fantastic. Yep, that's where I was, too. And just, again, I think things can get really fast, especially at a demanding position. Just let him take his time, ease into this thing, yep. and you know you have a given behind him. And we know Brendan Crawford's going to take his time. Uh, he, he's he, he walks slow. He takes it easy. Okay, he'll be the last when the last out is made. He'll be the last guy that walks into the dugout when the, the other other team makes their final out. He'll be the last guy out to his position. He doesn't when he's not playing. He's kind of like the sloth in Zootopia. So he's got great hair too. He oh, and Brendan Donovan hair. have oh, great man. flow oh, going. Is, yeah, yeah. We have to constantly replace it because Taylor Motter also had great hair. Yeah. So you have to keep well, the trend going. And Craw is really proud of the, the oiliness of his hair. It's really he's, glorious. He's going to run out ground balls though, right? Oh, well, depends on where the ground ball is. I mean, if it's like a... like a One hopper back to the pitcher? Yeah, he's going to run that out, right? Well, all four steps are going to be, yeah, they're going to be with meaning. I like the move. That'll be I fun. Too. I, think, I think it's a solid That'll move. It's not going to, you know... Move the needle all that much, but you've you've had your bets. Here's where I w- completely got sold on Brandon Crawford with the Giants. They had a Korean player named Hak Ju Lee. Remember him? I do. Brandon Crawford nicknamed him Ed. <laughs> yep. Remember Ed Hockley? Yep. Hak Ju Lee. So he there did, you go. And he was in charge of the nicknames, and I'm kind of in charge of a nickname. So uh, we were kindred spirits in that way. Ed had. Some arms on oh, him, he man. Guns, yeah. yeah. He he was a for those who don't know NFL referee, and he was built. Ed Hockley, yeah, pretty fun. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, City has already had to dig into their depth for just the third game that they'll play this year. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Hetman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You can always watch us on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. And uh, all you need to do is go to YouTube and type in 101 ESPN STL. And you can watch us. And we thank those that are watching today. Uh, some people, uh, one person suggested that I don't know anything about soccer, which I don't, uh, but because I'm wearing orange, which is Houston Dynamo colors, which I also didn't know. But uh, no, I certainly didn't wear, uh, I I didn't wear orange because it's Houston Dynamo colors. I wore orange because orange is my favorite color and I have a great quarter zip that uh, a friend gave me and I'm I'm very happy with it. Why are people so weird? I'm sure they're being sarcastic. You think? Maybe they're just, you know poking fun a little bit. People do get very upset about that stuff, mm-hmm. though. I think they're overdoing it here. <laughs> I think you know more soccer than you give yourself credit for, Randall. Well, St. Louis City SC is back in action tonight, but they had to dig into their city two depth for just the third game of the season. You've got injuries. You've got uh, Tim Parker, who did travel with the team, by the way. We don't know if he's going to be able to play. He uh, tweeted out that he not a cryptic tweet, a good tweet, a, a favorable tweet saying, I'll be paraphrasing, but I'll be ready to go tonight. Is mm-hmm. that correct, man? Yeah, I mean, and that's, he that's has that's a connection fair, right? to Houston. He, he played there, and so right. I think there's there's always, I think, that kind of emotional aspect for him, especially when he's back in Houston. Yeah. I have to imagine. I just, I, I don't know. I, I question it. When you only have two, when you only have a two full day turnaround, and you have a flight in there, and you picked up a muscle strain, I just wonder how all of that combines it with the fact that, again, and he played the full game on Tuesday. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about a weak capsule, that's that's a, that's a rough turnaround. So, Michael Wenzel is now available tonight, and those loans are up for four days, correct? Yes, and the way those work is that um, you can only play in two MLS games, and you have four total short-term loans. So, this uses one of his loans, but it's not an MLS game, so it doesn't use any of his two MLS games. So, he'll still have three more available short-term loans where he could play in two MLS games, but they have him available for the Champions Cup tonight. And Obviously, this is a big deal. The CONCACAF is a big deal. But do you want to extend players that might be injured in this matchup, or do you want to save them and get make them be healthy for MLS action? The first two weeks here are just really concerning when you're talking about that, Randy, because four games in 12 days, that is a very daunting task for City SC to be able to manage that. And so you are testing your depth right now. Right now, as you mentioned, you have Wenzel, who is coming into the picture. Tim Parker, still kind of a question mark. Sam Adinarin, great game for him the mm-hmm. other night. And especially in that game, though, because what still kind of concerns me is earlier in the match, Rock, and we touched, we touched on this a little bit, they couldn't get behind their back four, but then when Sam entered... That obviously changed the game. What can they do to avoid that situation again? Because it just felt like in that one, the passes didn't always end up where they were supposed to, and the defense just left some big gaps. I, I think sometimes you have sloppy games, and when your best passer and the guy who's supposed to kind of be the engine of your offense and Edu Leuven admits, like, I'm rusty. I haven't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not playing up to my game right now. I, I had a bad game. That kind of speaks for what the whole thing is. I think personally what you saw was – when they shifted formations and they played Celio Pompeu up as a second striker alongside Sam, that allowed Sam to then leave the middle and go create width, and that's where he created his goal because he wasn't worried about leaving it completely empty in the middle. And so I just think that stylistically, it doesn't need to be Klaus and Adenner in it, but I do think that they seem to work better when they have two nominal strikers you know, on the field, and that's where they're playing them positional-wise. And I wonder if we'll see that tonight. A dinner and also yeah. from Houston, so I think he's mm-hmm. going to play tonight, and he's going to want to have a big game. 
I was going to say that. I was going to say that they should move forward with two strikers. Yeah, and, and, and whether it's you know uh, you know Thorson as the second striker in you know so these games we have to rotate or Pompeu or Rasmus Alm when he gets healthy. I'm I'm okay with all of those guys. I just think that positionally, especially if it's Denneran, it might be different if Klaus is the one guy and Denneran's on the bench to start the game. Maybe it works differently that way. I'm not sure. I just think that was a clear change in the second half and what opened things up. Now, speaking of soccer, the U.S. women's team lost yeah. last night. I, I don't get this. What's going on with the U.S. women's team? They had kind of the embarrassing exit at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. They lost 2 to nothing to Mexico last night. It was a Gold Cup match against Mexico. They sorely needed a win. Um, I follow it from afar, and I just take for granted they're going to win every game yep. and win the World Cup. And all of a sudden, it looks like the world is catching up to the United States women a little bit. Uh, Pretty substantial talent drain over the last few years, too, from that club. Obviously, uh, Alex Morgan, is up. Is she even playing in this? Don't know. I didn't okay. see all but of it last night. Megan Rapino. You, yep, you lost not, and you, Last night, obviously, at 2 nothing. you weren't going to score. But when you lose the stars of your team over the last decade, uh, Hope Solo, another one of those, you just aren't going to be what you were. But here's what I'm sure you think, Dan, is because of those stars, you think young girl athletes, right, that they're going to be there. And I I expect the USA to be dominant, too. But like you said, the world is catching up. Um, Interesting. Going back to City, we have a, a text question, 314. Why is uh, four games in 12 days such a big deal? I think it's a legitimate question from afar if you don't follow the sport intimately. Um, that's a lot of games. They, they Their games are spread out. They're very physical. And I understand you could look at it and say, well, hockey's physical, and they go back-to-backs, and they go three out of five and that kind of thing. Just different sport. That's how it's played. It's yeah. just a lot of games in a, in a short amount of time for them. And the majority of the players are running for the full 90 minutes, yeah. right? In, in hockey, you have shifts. It, granted, it is physical. Playing three games in four nights is grueling. It's brutal. And f- playing four games in 12 nights in the NHL is grueling and brutal. But it does happen. And it, it it's just really difficult when you put that much physical exertion into one game to play four and 12. Have you done the, They do the beep test, too, in soccer, right? Oh, God, yeah. 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 So, they don't tennis player, one obviously never played at a super, super high level, but played tennis my whole life. Never have been humbled as much as doing a beep test or even playing soccer a little bit. Just played, I would play like a little bit for fun every once in a while, like a long, long, long time ago. And soccer is very very extremely daunting yeah, so that's, and that's it's just two yeah two very different sports i wonder how many miles they run roughly four to five. Oh, soccer um oh no it's it, the flankers like guys like totland and, and Martanic, different, different positions those guys will run six those I'm guys will run average, yeah those like guys will run six and wow. i'm saying there's yep. some guys though who run about six miles yep. a game and so if you, if you think about that four games in in 12 days you're trying to play all of those you're literally running uh, almost a marathon across a two-week uh you know 12-day stretch that's and then you have travel, you have training between those things. I mean, that's it's listen. This isn't this isn't babying people. This is pushing people to their extremes and not trying to break them. I haven't run a marathon over a sixty-one year stretch. I did a half marathon. <laughs> did you? I used to do Probably a bunch you. of half marathons, and then my knee blew out. And then yeah. you guys see me try to get out of this chair, mm-hmm. and it pops. Yep. And poor Brooke is like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Well, got bad knees." I've got one of those oval stickers on the back of my car. That no, says you don't. Zero point zero. <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you actually one of those people? I am. I you really have zero point zero. I don't have it on my car. Oh, okay. oh okay. But you do have the sticker. I would if I. If, well, yeah. 
<laughs> Honestly, though, I, I used to be a little bit judgy of those stickers that people put on the back of their car. I'm like, okay, what a show off. But now I'm like, yeah, you probably should be able to show that off because that is that was really tough to do. Yeah. I was really proud of it that I made my half marathon. You Did you get be. a medal? Yeah, got Ooh, the medals. Cool. I still kept them. I didn't throw them away, which is shocking. I throw so much stuff away, mm-hmm. but I did not throw those away, and I got to find them and probably throw them away. Time to get rid of them. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It. The uh, number to call, three or not call, text 314-399-9646, Yo ho! Yo ho! How did we both miss it? No, you don't need to do it. Let's go to a break. You kind of snuck it in there. Okay. See, it's a Met Tuesday, is it not? I think you guys nailed it. 314-399-9646. Yo-ho! I think, Brooke, for the way that she went solo, Mm -hmm. I think takes... (laughs) I went solo. You went solo, too. I think it takes uh, the place of my... Your... What you're I was going to say. Well, you're you're later. You, we get it once a day from yeah. Yo-Ho. Yay. There it is. There it is. We had our Beyonce moment. It's the only next time 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. For Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314 399 9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. It is time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, guys, we missed this a couple of days ago, but happy 75th birthday to the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo. Oh. Uh, take it or leave it. Woo has become woo. No, I, I, I'm going to leave that. The energy's still there? The yeah. energy is still there. Haven't you seen the Car Shield commercials? Yeah. We're but coming to you from the Car turned, Shield studios. Yeah, yeah. That's before he turned 75, though. Yeah, so what? He's got more energy than the four of us combined. Wow. The nature boy, don't count him out. Never count him out. Never count him out. Uh, we have to find a way to get him in here to do a yo-ho. Uh, I don't think you want him in here. To really? To be quite honest he's with you. No. before. He, he's a little crazy. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, I just, I'm not sure. He might pick you up, Brooke, yeah. and just slam you to the ground. He might take Randy and start punching him. You never know what may happen. Yeah. Oh. What? Yeah. We could take him. Nah, he'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> he'd be um, fine. One other one. Take it or leave it. You have inherent questions about anybody who doesn't like Reese's. Oh, I'm going to take it. In this Easter season, I will take that. Thank you. Yeah, the Easter egg of the uh, Reese's peanut butter cup Ooh. is incredible. Oh, 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 doctor. Is there somebody you know who does not? This is a person that doesn't like orange. Oh. Boy, you can't let that go. You can't let it go. Not gotta let it go, Randy. Let it go. Turn the page. <laughs> no, go, none whatsoever. Name so the movie. Take... <laughs> uh, oh, Frozen. Good job, Jinx. Everybody. We did that at the exact yes, same. I don't even know how I knew that. I'm... That's a jinx. I'm out of here. Have a oh, good no. show. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. Well, take it or leave it, guys. I don't know if you guys saw this. Before he deleted these tweets on X, I'm still going to call them tweets, he forcefully defended his son, Bronny James, LeBron James did, against projections about his son's future in the NBA through mock drafts. He said in one of the tweets, can y'all please just let the kid be a kid and enjoy college basketball? The work and results will ultimately do the talking no matter what 
he decides to do. If y'all don't know, he doesn't care what a mock draft says. He just works. Earned, not given. Take it or leave it. The pressure is coming from inside the house. I'll take it. LeBron said that Bronny could play. Said he said he could play for the Lakers right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody, yeah. I'm gonna take it that it's coming from his pops. Yeah, yeah. All right, take it or leave it. The um, NFL com- uh, Combine is coming up. Ooh, yes. Take it or leave it. Randy will sit down at his couch and watch six to eight hours of uninterrupted coverage of the Combine. Leave it. You won't do it? No, not even. No, no chance. I probably won't watch more than five minutes. I back in the day I did when we had a top ten draft pick every year. Yeah. Now, interesting. We I had thought a team with a top ten. I draft thought pick. you'd be all over that and watching oh, and no. watching and watching. No, no. Okay. Do you enjoy watching it? I could. I don't care. I'll find out what the results are later on. Something I read. Yeah, I'm not gonna watch it. I will. No. I'll watch Rich Eisen yeah. run the forty though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. If the if it's on, if the combine is on, I'm switching to golf channel. It doesn't matter what golf is on. I'll sooner watch golf than uh, what's on the, the NFL network or you whatever. walk into my house, golf channel's on 24-7. thing. It is. It's great. That's what they got going over at uh, Golf Discount. They walk in that store in O'Fallon with Chris. and They've always got, you guys have been in there. Good plug, every, Randy. Yeah, every time you walk in, you, if you want to watch the golf channel, it's my plug for the golf channel, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what do you got on the text line there? Take it or leave it. Jimmy Snugger makes his NHL debut before the deadline. Leave it. Leave Ooh, it. I'm going to leave that. His, uh, I think Minnesota's going to make the Frozen Four. Last yeah. projection I had, they were going to be a ninth, the ninth overall seed in the in the NCAA hockey tournament, which I believe starts after the deadline. Mm-hmm. What happens if you're in the stretch run, if you're the Blues, and he's done with the Frozen Four, and all of a sudden you need a little oomph to your scoring, a little help up front? Would you bring him in? Start the clock, so to speak, if you had a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah, why not? Who cares about starting the clock? You're going to sign him anyway. I would agree with that. Yeah. It seems like more of the hangup is going to be dependent on what's happening with Minnesota. 618 says golf and the NFL Combine are both uh, both boring as hell. I'm going to leave that. I uh, that. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, the Combine. I, when the Combine mattered to me, I would watch the entire thing. It's when the Rams senior were here. Senior Bowl is better. Senior Bowl is better. I enjoyed watching the Senior Bowl. Uh, quick, um, Kevin on the YouTube chat says, Reese's is the only candy bar that I'll eat. Uh, take it or leave it. Uh, Reese's isn't a candy bar. It's a candy. Uh, well, it depends. Either uh, you could do the Reese's Outrageous or the Reese's Nutrageous. Uh, we've got the Reese's Candy Bar in here, the Reese's Fast Take. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of Reese's Candy Bars. Now that I know why you're wearing orange. There, thank you very I figured, much. I, I was conf- now I figure out the real reason. Oh, and there is an actual Reese's candy bar. Google this, kids. Reese's candy bar. You can pick it up at uh, Walgreens or Mobile on the Run. It's to die for. It's awesome. Really? And like to die Reese's for. Take, like take Five. Remember my controversial oh, yep, yep. decision when yep. we had yep. oh, the Halloween candy that. draft? The Take Five. Forgot One of the best that. candy bars oh, out there. there By the way, I had forgotten this. Next year's Frozen Four is right here in St. Louis at Enterprise Center. Oh, It'll be packed. Wow. Gentlemen. Take it or leave it. A Denneran scores two tonight. Uh, take it. I'm going to uh, go ahead and leave that. I'll I'll leave it and say one. You guys are betting me over? Return to his hometown. A one. <laughs> what is the uh, line, Randy? One and a half, right? I would assume. <laughs> it is a soccer game. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's fair. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that was. I didn't even see that coming. Take it or leave it. Robert Thomas will win another Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. Take it. 
I might take that. I think they're going to be pretty good in a couple of years when these uh, young kids get a little seasoning. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be awfully good here. I, I would give it a two-year window coming up that they start to make real real improvements with this team. And they I'll need to find it. a centerpiece guy. Yeah, yeah. That would be nice Thomas being benched the other day with Cairo. Ouch, yeah. babe. Yeah. yeah. Ouch, babe. Yep. Yeah. Follow-up question. Sorry to cut you off, Rock. Take it or leave it. Cairo will not be a part of that team that we're talking about. Take it. I'm going to leave that. Was Ouch Baby a reference I missed? No. Okay. Ouch Baby. Wasn't that a Sammy Davis Jr.? It was. But oh, okay. I figured it'd be over. He's a young guy yeah. and no, he's I not know, going I into it. I, would've, I, would've, I know Sammy Davis Jr. You could have. Okay. Yeah, don't, don't. Well, well now. What were we talking about this I got, morning? I got, old, I got old parents. We talked about something that happened when you were one year old. Um, what was it? Before the show, we were talking about something that occurred. Oh, Jose De Leon. He, he passed away. Loved Jose De Leon. And so. Uh, those teams in the 80s and 90s, and then you covered teams, and especially the group that was your same age, you're just closer to those guys, right? Absolutely. And I was that way with that group, and so uh, I used to go to 7-Eleven every day, or there was a 7-Eleven where the Applebee's is now, and I used to go there before I went downtown to KMOX every day. I go in there August 31st, I looked it up, of 1992, and I'm in there getting my soda, going up to the counter, and there's Jose De Leon, and I said, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> and he does a uh, slat, uh, throat slash, he's like, I cut. And so uh, that was his last day with the Cardinals. And I'll never forget, poor guy. Uh, I mean, you run into him, and probably the first person he talked to after he, he got released by the Cardinals. But just a, a prince of a guy, and he had tremendous ability. Just, Man, he, did he have good stuff. Oh, brother. And he it just didn't work out. Never did. But his, no, if he could have put it all together, he would have been a super, superstar. At one point, I think I was the youngest guy in the charter mm-hmm. when I was with the right. Cardinals. That was a little intimidating. I'll bet. Yeah. yeah, especially with that group. Yeah. Yeah, so that was August 92, which I had just turned one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Jake Neighbors, Robert Thomas, Jimmy Snuggerud is the opening day first line next year. Say that again. Neighbors, Thomas, Snuggerud is your opening day first line. I'm going to leave it because I think Kairou stay here. Uh, he'll stay here. I don't think really? Snuggerud, I don't think for his... I don't think on his first opening day that he'll be on the number one line. And yeah. by the way, where's Brady Kachuk in this mix? <laughs> where's Booch? Yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot of people missing from this yeah. one. Yeah. We didn't get to take it or leave it. The Brady Kachuk trade, if you sell the farm, would break the franchise. Leave it. Well, I don't know what it would take to get him. I mean, I know it'd be a lot. Let's assume and you sell the farm. Let's assume yeah, you I'm not doing that. Nope. No. I would. I mean, yeah. it, it, trading for Eichel worked pretty well for the Vegas Golden Knights. By the way, the uh, 314 says Brian Windhorst just reported that Bronny gets $6 million in NIL money. <laughs> he needs it. $6 million for a dad that's got a billion. Yeah. Not bad. Not nope, bad not bad at all. Take it or leave it. Binner will be on the downside by the time the Blues can make a run. I think mm. he'll still be in his prime. Goalies play yeah, old. 30 right now, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's just 30 years old. Yeah, so, so he's got three years that. of prime go- goalie left. I can't believe this is year five. For him already, it's yeah. amazing. Five years, I, and he's still a hell of a goalie. Six, he's the reason right? that they're in the the situation that they're in right now. I think yeah. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Six year. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, and Bobby Tommy too. He's been here. Yeah, that's hard to believe too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just coming into his own as well. Yeah. Somebody just puts take it or leave it Reese's pieces. I'm gonna leave it. Uh, child, um, peanut butter M Ms always better. Mm. No, Reese's Pieces is the, the uh, game changer. Coating. Yeah, I. Well, what? 
Can we? Oh, uh, I mean, they're both good, but honestly, if I had the option, Reese's Pieces. The Reese's Pieces doesn't have has almost no chocolate coating, as opposed to the cho- the, the peanut butter M M&M, and M, which has a lot more chocolate the coating. Peanut which butter M M&M and M is on the top of the shelf here, mm-hmm. uh, and then peanut M M&M, and M, Reese's Pieces, anything else is on shelf too. But in in, in terms of what genre we're talking about here. I'll do. I love Reese's more than anything. You know, I'm wearing a Reese's shirt today. But yeah, the uh, the peanut butter M and M is way at the top. I I just prefer Reese's pieces. That's just me though. That's cool. I, I get what now, you guys are saying about the peanut butter oh, to sense. chocolate okay. ratio, but I just prefer the Reese's Pieces. The other day, what was it that you had that you were having a major sugar rush? I don't remember what oh, it was. Oh, we split you... a crumble cookie. Yeah. And I texted you because I was literally feeling like I was like getting the shakes. I was like, I'm having an extreme <laughs> sugar rush right now. If you want an extreme sugar rush, the Reese's Outrageous Bar. <laughs> It'll have you zooming for like 10 minutes and then you'll hit the wall. <laughs> I was not down. okay. That's exactly what happened because I felt like really good. And then I was like, uh-oh, this is, I'm crashing. And of course, I started crashing before I went to the workout. I have an honest question. What happened to LeVar Ball? Uh, his sons wound up not being that great. So or injured. One, yeah, one's really been injured. One is didn't even make the league. I think made the G League. And then the other mm-hmm. one is good player, mm-hmm. but gets hurt as well. Yeah. Um, but you don't hear from LeVar anymore. No. Big baller yeah. brand. Yeah. He had to kind of take a back seat. The shoes were just a terrible thing. I mean, when... when, when um, I ordered my kids shirts from Big Baller brand. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we ever got them. He hasn't <laughs> played in forever, so I'm blanking on... I don't think we ever got them. son's name was. Or is. He, he just hasn't played in forever. I'm blanking. It's Lamelo's the one on the... Uh, Lamelo, Lagello. On the, on the Hornets. I'm blanking on the oldest one. Um, but he would and have to... he was to, with Chicago, right? Yes, he, and he still is. He's Judge just been hurt forever. He was drafted second by the Lakers, right? Yes. Correct. And they got traded. He used to have to warm up. He would warm up in his big baller brand shoes but then he would play in different ones because if he played the big baller brand shoes they would fall apart nice mm. so yeah that, that company didn't do go so well so he's kind of just fluttered into the distance yeah okay yeah. i'm uh, just curious about lavar lavar um let's see the uh better business bureau gave big baller brand an f rating okay <laughs> <laughs> no. thank you matthew Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Today is the 28th anniversary of the Blues trading for Wayne Gretzky. We'll relive that next on 101 ESPN. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. is talking about number 99, Wayne Gretzky. And here tonight at Keel Center, the 99 t-shirts, sweaters, oh, they're going quickly. They're on sale. The legend has arrived in St. Louis. Really, the town has never seen anything quite like this. What'll happen tonight? 
Well, it's a sellout crowd. Wayne Gretzky makes his Blues debut at Keel Center in St. Louis. He takes the ice live with us in just a moment. What? Incredible days those were. 28 years ago today, the Blues made the trade for the great one, Wayne Gretzky. And then on March 5th, he made his home debut. The Blues played games at Vancouver and at Edmonton before Gretzky and the Blues came home. And Brooke and and Dan, I don't know that I've ever seen a town get as jazz for <laughs> a, a player arriving as St. Louis did for Wayne Gretzky. The game sold out in a blink, that game that, against Florida, that we're hearing the highlights from. And Ken Wilson, on the broadcast on Fox Sports Midwest at the time, was talking about everybody having a shirt or a jersey. Everybody did. He, Wayne Gretzky, owned the town for those three months that he was here. It was unbelievable. And you still see the jerseys around town. You still see them yeah. at games all the time, and rightfully so. Just tell me what the experience was like, the feeling, the vibe from the fans and the reaction. First of all, it was surreal because who would have ever thought that the, the most dominant athlete in his sport ever would mm-hmm. wind up in St. Louis. And the Blues made a pretty good trade. And it was so we're pre Zoom. We are pre actually kind of pre Internet. So the Blues set up a uh, satellite feed and they have like a 10 o'clock at night press conference uh, at, at Enterprise Center to announce that Gretzky is coming. And Gretzky's got a jersey and Shane Corson, part of the press conference, and the Blues captain has a jersey. So what they did is via satellite had Corson pass a jersey to Gretzky and then Gretzky brings the Blues jersey with the C into the screen. It was it, it was amazing. And it it was a goosebump if you're a sports fan, it mm-hmm. was a goosebump inducing time. The entire time from that trade until the end of that game was remarkable. It, everybody was so fired up in this town. And Brooke, you mentioned the jerseys. Gus Torregrossa had Gus's fashions over on, on Washington Ave. Uh, he ordered 10,000 Gretzky jerseys. 10,000 of them. 10, and then Gretzky left right after his uh, the Blues lost in the playoffs to Detroit. Mm. Yeah, that was tough. He had the Babe Ruth of the sport in your backyard, mm-hmm. and he would have finished his career with the St. Louis Blues. And who knows? I mean, he was still putting up points at that mm-hmm. time. And now, was he the player that he was in Edmonton? No. But was he really good? Yeah. Was he the player that he was in L.A.? No. Was he really good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the best and, guy we had. And the place would have been packed. So it was a three-year, what, $18 million deal right. that was on the table. Yep. Just imagine you would have made that money back and then some mm-hmm. because of uh, what he would have meant every single night. Whether the Blues were good or not, you had a chance to say, I went and saw Wayne Gretzky play. And Joe Micheletti was on the broadcast team at that time. And as we got ready for that game and the fever pitch built, Joe and Ken nailed it. And now the Blues are starting to come out on the ice and there is a standing ovation here at the Keel Center. And the anticipation of this game has just been tremendous. They're on their feet, number 99 in the Blues home white sweater on the ice. And what a scene this is, a standing ovation for the great one here in St. Louis. Well, Ken, I think it's, you can certainly argue that there hasn't been a better hockey player, maybe the greatest player of all time, and certainly the one player that has dominated his particular sport like no other player in the history of professional sports, Wayne Gretzky. 
Now, you heard the crowd there. You have to remember this, that when Keel Center was built, now uh, Enterprise Center, there were 21,500 right. seats. Now there's 18,000, yeah. right? So you had 3,500 more voices than you had than you have now, than you had for the Stanley Cup a few years ago. And I would argue, being there, that that was the loudest that that building ever was. I would say it was. It was, I'm not even going to argue it, even during the, uh, we were talking about this last week, even during the Stanley Cup run, Stanley Cup games, um, it's the loudest I've ever heard it. And when they put the video board with the shot of Gretzky during the anthem and tears coming down his face, place was shaking. I mean, it was, the camera was shaking to try to capture the moment. It was, it was incredible. I'm sure it felt like a bittersweet moment. Now, just looking back on it, because you had him, and mm -hmm. then you also had to deal with the pain of losing him in that manner. Yeah, and that's just part and parcel of the entire Mike Keenan era. Maybe that's the the, the crowning achievement. Crown, crowning achievement. <laughs> right. Getting him, and by the way, uh, getting him for what good you know uh, guys that made the NHL. But you gave up Craig Johnson, Patrice Tardif, and a number one pick. Tardif. For, yeah. So uh, it was just, it's crazy. So, and the Blues got a fifth rounder. They gave up a number one that wound up being somebody named Matt Zoltek, who never played in the NHL, Johnson Tardif, and Roman Vopat. Pretty good deal. Yeah. I, I can't think of a better deal yeah. if he stays. He right. didn't, and he gave up a lot. At mm -hmm. that time, he thought that was a lot. That was yeah. a pretty good package, especially with the number one mixed in there. But in retrospect, to get Gretzky, you pull the trigger anytime that that was offered to you might have won a cup i mean you literally had a power play on the ice with the goalie grant fewer mckinnis pronger gretzky, gretzky hull, hull glenn anderson yeah amazing it's pretty good yeah one more highlight from that night of gretzky's home opener here in st louis Starting on right wing, number 16, Brett Hull. Starting on left wing, number nine, Shane Corsa. And starting at center for the Blues, number 99, Wayne Gretzky. Pretty cool. That was, that, was, that was a cool time to be a St. Louis sports fan. And remember when the uh, trade happened, they started on the road, and you had Gretzky joining them, I think, in Vancouver. If they, if yeah, Vancouver and then Edmonton. Yep. And you had uh, you had Gretzky, and then you had Hall, and they were going back and forth, <laughs> and you thought, this is the combination that is of a lifetime, mm -hmm. to have a goal scorer like this and someone to feed him the puck like Adam Oates used to. Now you got Wayne Gretzky. Mm -hmm. It was as good as, as you could possibly imagine. And amazingly, they never developed chemistry not on the really. ice. They had a couple of moments, mm -hmm. but not what, what you would thought. Not what you thought initially. No, you thought you get those two guys, it's going to be just goal after goal, or at least opportunity after opportunity. Still pretty good, but not quite. I think the expectations are almost too high. Twenty-eight years ago tonight, the Blues made that move and acquired Wayne Gretzky from the Kings, and it was just. All too short a time. Coming up, we are going to talk to John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues. Blues starting things off for their road trip in Winnipeg tonight. And J.K. joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back.
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Danny Mack, Randy Carricker, and 28 years ago today when the Blues acquired Wayne Gretzky, John Kelly was the voice of the Colorado Avalanche at the time. John Kelly joins us now, the TV voice of the Blues on Valley Sports. Uh, JK, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Uh, everything's great. Now, I, I wanted to know, uh, because obviously you you grew up a Blues fan, you've always been uh, attached to the Blues. When the Blues got Gretzky that night, February 27th of 1996, what was John Kelly thinking? Uh, I was very, very surprised. Although at the time, you know, Gretzky and the Kings had hit a tough spot and there were a lot of rumors about Wayne getting traded. So I, I guess it wasn't a shock he was traded, um, but for the Blues to pull that deal off, and they were already a good team, as we know. Um, I think a lot of Blues fans felt at the time, and perhaps NHL fans, that Gretzky would put the Blues over the top. And he very nearly did. Uh, you know, they lost, obviously, in Game 7 against Detroit and, uh, and uh, on the goal by Iserman. And, you know, they would have played Colorado in the third round had they won that game. But as we know, they didn't. Uh, the Avalanche beat Detroit and won the Stanley Cup. But, you know, if they get by that game, who knows what happens in the third round against the Avalanche. And one of the great – there's a couple of great ifs from the Gretzky era, but one from that year is what if Grant Fuhrer doesn't get hurt? What if Nick Kiprios doesn't run into him and tear up his knee? Because he was really as great as Gretzky and Hall were. Uh, Grant Fuhrer was the centerpiece of that team. Well, no question. And, you know, a Hall of Fame goaltender and nothing against John Casey – um, but, you know, he wasn't Grant Fuhrer. So, you know, you, you look, Randy, obviously, I don't need to tell you guys that, you know, over the course of decades, you know, teams that win cups, for the most part, have really, really strong goaltending. And I think if the if the Blues would have uh, had Fuhrer in that series, they would have obviously had a much better chance, and that would have been a great third-round series. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Grant Fuhrer against Patrick Waugh in the third round, but it didn't come to pass. Well, J.K. and the Blues lost to Detroit the other day, that 6-1 to loss. Drew Bannister really making a bold move in benching Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo in the third period. What were your thoughts on that move that he made? Well, it's not the first time he's done that. You know, early in his tenure with the Blues, he benched Pavel Buchnevich. He took three bad penalties in Tampa Bay, and he didn't play much of the third period in that loss. And then he responded with a really good game in Florida a couple of days later. So it worked. You you know, that's all the coach really has as far as the hammer when it comes to, you know, disciplining players or trying to make them play better. You know, you can yell at players and things like that. But, you you know, obviously you can't send them down. Not that you want to send guys like that down. But you got to take away ice time. And, uh, you know, great players in this game have been benched before. We know that. Um, It'll happen more this year with other teams and with the Blues perhaps. So, that's just the way it goes, and he's trying to get a response from those players, and I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, the game basically is over at the time, but it, you know, it's a message sent to two of the top players that it's just not good enough, and you've got to play better. That's the bottom line, just play better. 
Justin Falk has activated John from LTIR. Um, what are you expecting to see out of him tonight in terms of minutes and just kind of getting back in the swing of things? Well, you know, Dan, the Blues, I think really for the most part, have, have really done well without Falk. And, and he is he's a top defenseman. He is one of their top defensemen. It's, it's obvious for everyone who watches the team play. So it looks like he'll go back to his normal pairing with, with uh, Tory Krug. And it, it should be a good pairing. And, you know, he did come back a few weeks ago and, you know, re-injured his lower body, whatever it is, you know, ankle or knee or whatever. Um, but, you know, he's, he was off skates for a while. So he's been back on skates now for about a week. And I expect him to fit right back in. And in, in just in time, too, because, Dan, as we know, the next two games, arguably, is the toughest back-to-back the Blues have this year. The Jets are red hot. They've won six of seven. And then they go to Edmonton tomorrow night to take on McDavid and Dreisaitl and the Oilers, a team that's really slowed down a little bit. They did win last night over L.A., um, but they've basically been a 500 team since their 16-game winning streak. And, of course, they the Blues beat the Oilers last week. But having said all that, it's going to be a tough game back-to-back in Edmonton against McDavid and the Oilers. And, J.K., we see how fickle hockey is. We've talked for several weeks about Matt Kessel, and with Falk coming back, Kessel is the guy that's sent to Springfield. What was the difference between the Kessel of the last several games and the, the one that was at the top of his game? Well, you know, he's a young guy, Randy, obviously, and, you know, just wasn't quite as clean with his, his decision-making and his puck movement. But we'll talk to the coach today and, and get his thoughts. But I was a bit surprised he got sent down, to be honest with you. I think he's played really, really well. Um, and I think he's going to have a long career in the NHL as, as a really solid defensive defenseman. Who knows if there's some offensive potential there. He does have a very good shot. Uh, but, you know, it's not the end of the world for him to go back down to the minors and, and play, you know, 24, 25 minutes a night. Um, but I think that overall, I think I would give him an A for his, his play and his effort in, you know, the couple of months that he was here. He was excellent. J.K., you mentioned how tough these next two games will be for the Blues, but how important will these next two games also be leading up to the trade deadline and also the games before that leading up to the trade deadline? Or do you believe that Doug's approach to the deadline has already been determined? Well, you know, we talked about it last week, Brooke, and, you know, Doug on on different radio shows and things uh, has basically said, you know, he's in neutral um, and, and, you know, the the team's play will dictate what he does. So I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I know, but, you know, the Blues have a tough schedule here. You know, starting last Saturday, they have eight of nine on the road. And we mentioned tonight's game is really hard. The Jets always play well against the Blues. Then the Blues come home for one against Minnesota, and then they go back out for five. And in the middle of that road trip is the trade deadline. So if the Blues don't get some wins here, I mean, the, the Predators are red hot. You know, they won, they won five in a row now. It started with that win in St. Louis. So if the Blues don't get some wins here in the next week or so, they're four points back now. You know, if you get to be, you know, eight points out or more at the deadline – you're in big, big trouble. So the Blues have got to get some wins here on the road. It's not going to be easy, um, but that's the bottom line. You know, the last thing anyone wants, the players, the fans, everybody, is for the Blues to be sellers at the deadline. And the only way to really avoid that, I think, is if they win some games here. John, I always find it interesting how a coach figures out the goaltending situation on back-to-backs. Have you seen anything 
in terms of how Drew Bannister handles back-to-backs and, and sometimes the mindset behind the decision with those? Yeah, you know, Dan, it's an interesting point and, and good question. I, I think a lot of it comes into play um, how you've played against that team, you know, in previous games, previous seasons. Obviously, it's a unique situation that Joel Hofer hasn't really played many games in the NHL. He's, he's a rookie, as we know. But one thing is sure that you're going to see both goaltenders tonight and tomorrow. So I would think you're going to play Bennington tonight. Uh, he always plays well in this building. Um, the Blues had great success here in the 19 playoffs. But as I said, in the regular season, in the last couple of years, the Blues have not played well against the Jets. Um, but so, you know, you look at it, Edmonton played last night. They're off tonight, so they'll be the rest of the team. In theory, this is the easier game. I say that even though the Jets, as I said, have won six or seven. But um, you're going to see both goaltenders. But I do think past performance, Dan, has a big decision into um, where you spot the goaltenders in, in each game. Finally, John, it's zero in Winnipeg right now. Of all <laughs> yeah. the other NH- I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask. I'm of, taking of, the bus today, by the way. I'm not, I'm not walking. Good move. Good move. What, yeah. what, what, what NHL city has the most bone-chilling cold where you walk out and you know, man, i, I got to take that bus today. I'm not walking. I say it's a tie between Winnipeg and Edmonton. And guess where the Blues are going tonight, as we said. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when we get off the plane tonight in Edmonton at, you know, 2 in the morning, it'll probably be 5 or 10 below and, and windy and cold. So, yeah, I'd say it's a tie between Winnipeg and Edmonton. You know, John, it, it's interesting to me, and, and especially I think it'd be horrible for any franchise to leave. I don't like teams leaving, period, from any city. But there's been talk about Winnipeg and the potential of relocation because season tickets haven't been good. What are you hearing about that? Because the, the fans up in Canada are, are second to none. Well, Commissioner Gary Bettman is, is expected in Winnipeg today, Dan, as a matter of fact, to, to talk to the media, perhaps talk to some fans. But their season ticket base has gone from roughly 13,500 to under 10. And, you know, when they got this franchise um, a little over 10 years ago, they sold out in about 24 hours, you know, 13,000 season tickets. And, and the building only holds fifteen five, So they, they really need to sell it out. So the owner has come out and said that, you know, the, the attendance and the season ticket base, it's just not going to work long term. So they need to, they need to get back to where they were, up, up to close to 13,000. And the thing is, the Jets are having a great year. They're a Stanley Cup contender. And they're a team that obviously has seen a big drop in attendance. And I read an article the other day in The Athletic, and a lot of fans, or not a lot, but some of the fans that have, have dropped tickets have said the reason is, is customer service. So mm-hmm. that's something that obviously can be, can be addressed and changed and worked on. Um, but obviously they have a really good team. And I'd hate, like you, Dan, I'd hate to see any team move. Um, especially a team here in Winnipeg that, you know, the fans adore this team, and obviously they have a really good club. No doubt. John Kelly, we always enjoy having you on. Thank you so much. Enjoy the day in Winnipeg, and we'll be tuned in tonight for the Blues and the Jets. Yeah, I'll enjoy the zero-degree day while you guys enjoy 78. So have a great day, guys. Goodbye. You're golf today, Johnny. It's going to be fun. No. Okay, Dan, have a good day. Thank you, sir. John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues with us on 101 ESPN. He's the best. Coming up next, we've got the fight, and we need a fighter. All you need to do is text in 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Your name and the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next here on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Brooke here alongside Dan, Randy, and Matthew. And it's now time for the fight. Our fighter today is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, we're doing good. Is this your first time facing Randy in the fight? It is. Okay. Excited? Uh, is Excited and nervous, yeah. Don't be nervous, Mike. Go with your best stuff. Trust it. You'll be just fine against Randy. I hope you're right, Dan. Obviously, that's made a quite an impression. My, my big uh, talk there to pump you up. All right, here we go with question one, bro. Question over there. one. Okay, question one, Mike. Happy birthday to Tony Gonzalez. At which West Coast college was Gonzalez a two-sport star? Was it Stanford, California, or UCLA? Uh, let's go with California. All right, question two. Michael Jordan, MJ, hit the game-winning shot in the 1982 championship game to beat which team? Was it Kentucky, Kansas, or Georgetown? Uh, Let's go Georgetown. All right, Mike. Question three, please. Who is the only active position player with double-digit all-star nods? Is it Salvador Perez, Mike Trout, or Jose Altuve? Can you repeat that one for me? Who is the only active position player with double-digit all-star nods? Is it Salvador Perez, Mike Trout, or Jose Altuve? That's not the right answer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go with my gut and say Mike Trout. All right, question four. Who is the most recent player to join the 500 Home Run Club? Is it Miguel Cabrera? Albert Pujols or David Ortiz? Uh, Let's go with Cabrera. All right. Mike, well done, sir. We're going to go get uh, Randy and uh, bring him in the studio. Usually to describe the scene on radio, Randy is eating grapes. He'll be talking to somebody in the hallway because he's such a nice person and has such a congenial personality. And then he'll put down his grapes, put on the headset, and say hello to Mike. Mike, good morning. How are you doing? I am good. How about you? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Ready for question number one, Randy? I think so. Happy birthday to Tony Gonzalez. At which West Coast college was Gonzalez a two-sport star? I believe he played basketball and football at california cal berkeley is where i'm going to say he went to school final answer yes sir question two michael jordan hit the game-winning shot in the 1982 championship game to beat which team georgetown i think he beat i think it was north carolina over georgetown the hoyas Uh uh-huh all right question three who is the only active position player with double-digit all-star nods hmm 
Uh, this is interesting. Derek Jeter retired, didn't he? He's out of the game. Uh, okay. He's actually in the Hall of Fame. Position. Oh, yeah, he is. That's yep. right. Good point. Okay, so... Uh, uh, cards, Cubs, Reds, Brewers. Um, let's see here. Where's Padres? Uh, uh, you know what? I'll do the lifeline so I don't have to think too much. Okay. Your options are Salvador Perez, Mike Trout, or Jose Altuve. Ooh, it's uh, it's going to be between Trout and Altuve for me. Uh, Trouty came up for good in 2012. So 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 20, uh, So he's had 13 years. Altuve came up before that. I am... Uh, I guess I'll go with I'll go with Mike Trout. Final answer, Randall. Yes, sir. Question four: Who is the most recent player to join the 500 home run club? I'm thinking that it might be Miguel Cabrera, but let me just bounce around here and see if there are any other people that have hit. A lot of home runs um, of late. I don't think there's anybody on those veteran Padres teams. I don't think J.D. Martinez got to 500 yet. Um, let's see. I don't think anybody. Dodgers don't hit many home runs. Giants, no. Certainly not uh, the D-backs or the Rockies. In the East, Braves, Reds, or uh, Braves, Mets. Uh, nobody on the Marlins, I think, got to 500. American League, Red Sox, Orioles. I, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll go with Miggy. Okay, Matthew, take it away. We have a tie, All ladies right. and gentlemen. So we got to use another one of the tiebreakers. And the rules for this is pretty simple. I will read off the question. We will give Randy a moment to write down his answer. We will then get Mike's answer audibly. And then Randy Carricker will say his answer. He'll also show us on the Air Alliance team cameras. Mike, do you understand those rules? I do. All right, Randy, do you understand those rules? I do. You got your paper and pen? Yes, sir. Lindenwood mm-hmm. paper. All right. And a Sharpie. So this one, this one, we, 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 the math won't be hard, but a, a second question might be required. Okay. How many hundred plus win seasons do the Cardinals have in their franchise history? How many different a hundred win seasons do the Cardinals have in their franchise history? Can I interject? Yes, you can. This is assuming that the Cardinals, you're going to car- start them at 1892, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. The whole, the whole franchise name, we, you know, Cardinals. Yeah. yeah Cardinals. Yep. Okay. Good. Uh, let's see. Um, I haven't heard the squeak. I haven't heard the, the little squeak. Oh wait, I hear, I, hear, I hear the squeak. I'm still working. I hear the squeak. Yeah, there you go. All right, Randy Carricker has his guess. Mike, what is your guess, sir? Uh, let's go seven. <laughs> You need a second one? We're going to go have to go to our second tiebreaker <laughs> question, which I have in my phone, because, ye, Randy, what was your guess? 11. Randy's guess was 11, Mike's guess was 7, and it guess what? Nine. They have nine 100-win seasons. How about that? And I have the question right here. Let me double-check you this one. You called that, by the way. All Pretty right, impressive. Here, here we go. According 
to Major League Baseball history, what is the longest home run in the history of the sport? Live ball area, I guess I should say, because just because timing. But what is the longest history according to Major League Baseball? According to MLB. This is official stat? Yes. Okay. Um... Okay, here we go. All right, Randy Carricker has his... Wait, can I see that again? Sorry. All right, Randy Carricker has his guess. Mike, what is your guess, sir? Uh, well, it's got to be over 500 feet. Uh, let's go 537. 537 was the guess from Mike. Randy Carricker, what was your guess? I went with 574, Matthew. 574 was Randy Carricker's guess. A little bit of math tells me we have a winner in today's fight. Mike... Gets all four right, by the way. It was a double jack for both of you. All four right. Does that mean he's walking away with a win in the tiebreaker? Or does Randy Carricker get another win on this Tuesday? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by CarShield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit CarShield.com today. <laughs> I want to give you that too as well because you did both hit the jack. Um, The record by the Major League Baseball uh, recognizes is 575 feet by who else but the great Bambino. Babe Ruth, hmm, 575 wow. feet back oh. in the early days. There is a, there is a, apparently he has one that was 581 measured, but they, Major League Baseball does not recognize that as the official one. They say was closer to the 560 range. It was mismeasured according to baseball history. Randall, Bush Stadium 2, Willie McCovey. Uh, what was yeah. it? What was, I, I was thinking about that one. It was a 470. Five or something like that? Yeah, 475. But McGuire's off the post-dispatch time was 545. Oh, that's right. Yep. Okay. So, Mike, yep. just an, an incredible fight there. You got all four right in regulation, but unfortunately, Randy Carricker just one foot off the longest home run in baseball history. That was an incredible fight. Thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank Absolutely. you. You were great. By the way, there's also one. This is mythical and legendary. Mickey Mantle is alleged to have yeah. hit a 734-footer. Right. <laughs> was, it, was it a child throwing the pitch? Like, yeah, good lord. By the way, uh, if, you, if you didn't hear it, the, the answers to all those, everyone answered correctly. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, a two-sport star, two star at California. Michael Jordan hits that game-winning uh, shot over Georgetown. By the way, James Worthy was the MIP of that tournament, mm-hmm. not Jordan. The most uh, only active player with double-digit all-star nods. Trout has 11. Jose Altuve has 9. Salvador Perez actually has 8. Eight, which Ooh. kind of shocked me. Yeah, and the uh, most recent player to join the 500 Club was, in fact, Miguel Herrera, who hit it in 2021. All right. So there we go. That's your fight on 101 ESPN. Next up, how does the benching of Buchnevich and now more recently Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo affect Drew Bannister's future as the Blues coach? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. ago, John Kelly told us about the only hammer that a coach has in the NHL right now, and that is when you have a player that isn't performing at his highest level, you take away ice time because you can't take away money. They're set for life, right? And uh, you can't send them down. So the only real 
advantage that a coach has over a player right now, if he wants to get that player's attention, is to take away ice time. And Drew Bannister has done that early on with Pavel Buchnevich, who said he deserved it, and most recently with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo against the Red Wings on Saturday. This better go right for Drew Bannister, though. If he wants to be the long-term head coach of the Blues, He's got to have those guys on his side. He can't have those guys saying, hey, I'm not going to play for this guy because they can do it. I, I think it's actually a good thing. I, I think you get respect in the room. And if the players are being honest with themselves and with their teammates, they say, you know what? I deserve it. And this is something I have to deal with. And as you mentioned, Randy, the great equalizer in sports, no matter what, is the pine sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm interested to see what the response will be on the ice from Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. To me, Robert Thomas has been pretty consistent all year long. I think that you can't exactly question his effort this season. He's continued to progress. I feel like you're getting your money's worth with that contract. But with Jordan Cairo, it seems like we are continuing to have that conversation of sometimes questioning the effort every single night. So Jordan Cairo, he did respond. He talked to reporters yesterday about his benching, and he said it was a bad game overall by everyone. We just need to be better as a group it's kind of like a message to everyone it's playoff time we've all got to be ready to play what I took from that and I read those comments but when a coach does this it's sometimes the the top player kind of takes the brunt of it for everybody else and it's a message that you send to your team that this just isn't good enough and if I can sit these guys I'll sit you too no matter what they're making, how good they are, top line. But if you're if you're not performing at a top level, I'll sit you too. And if it is everybody, then why doesn't Bannister set uh, Braden Chen down in a third period? He's your captain. He's not been performing well. And if it is indeed everybody, then why isn't your captain sitting? I, I can't do it to my captain because he's beloved in that room. And I, I know maybe it's rules for thee and not for me mm-hmm. kind of thing, but I, I can't do it to my captain. And he, he's beloved in that room, and I think, generally speaking, they feel that he comes and competes every single shift. Now, one player, and Brooke brought this to our attention yesterday, with Kairou, it it's not—I think it's fair to question whether or not he cares all the time. Ooh. Right? I, I mean, you just watch the way he, he performs, right? I, I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't I don't like saying that a guy doesn't care. I understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. I think they all do care. Um, now, performance-wise, effort-wise, I think you question effort. I, I wouldn't question. I just don't like doing that, whether a guy cares or not. I'm not inside his heart. I'm not inside his mind. But compete level, yeah, there are times when I watch that and I think – that, that's not where it needs to be. And that's what I'm looking for from a hockey player is compete level. And that's, to me, it's the same thing. It, do you care about competing? That I think that that's a very fair question with Jordan Cairo. And now it brings into question, too, with the trade deadline looming. Do I believe that he'll be moved at the trade deadline? No, I think it would be very hard for Armstrong to be able to pull something like that off. But Jeremy Rutherford was on the balloon party yesterday, and he actually had some interesting comments about Jordan Cairo and if he thinks he'll be traded before his no-trade clause kicks in. Here's what I think about Cairo. I would give that a... 50 to 60% chance that he's going to be traded before the no trade clause kicks in. And that might be a little low for some. I just think that it, it's it's right there in the middle. But I, I think this, I would be shocked if Jordan Cairo finishes his eight-year contract with the Blues in St. Louis. He might pay, make it past the no trade uh, clause when it kicks in. 
And I realized that would give him control before that point, and that might not make a lot of sense to people. But I don't know that the Blues are going to be able to pull off a trade with Jordan Cairo between now and then. But once it does kick in, Tim, like Doug Armstrong always says, if we want to trade a player, regardless of if they got a no trade, we'll figure out a way to get it done. I would be shocked if he finishes the year contract in St. Louis. Yeah. So Craig Berube was fired. I know that there was many different reasons, but I think that Jordan Cairo and what was happening there was a reason for that. And now you have Drew Bannister benching him. And you also have the questions continuing about him giving consistent effort every single night. If you are Doug Armstrong, if you're in the blues in this situation, do you try to move him before his no trade clause kicks in? I would try to move him ASAP because the longer you go down the line, we know that he has skill. We know that he's a very talented player. And 37 goal scorers don't grow on trees. You just can't find them. But the longer we go where we are questioning his effort, everybody else in the league is watching too. Exactly. How do you go, if you are another general manager, how do you go to your owner and say, I want to trade for this guy that's making $8 million a year for the next seven years? That's my point. I was just going to make that point, is that if the Blues see it and fans see it, certainly the rest of the league is seeing that as well. Uh, You can try to move them if you wanted to, and I I bet there's some that, that would say... You know what? Get him in here. Get him a, a train change of scenery, and we'll we'll take our chances with him. He still puts up points. It's just mm-hmm. not to the level that we all expected. And if from the Blues' perspective too, you say maybe this is a one-off, and we get him back going next year. There were times that when you had O'Reilly and you had Tarasenko and you had others, Kyra wasn't the main focus, and now he is. So he's put more on a stage of you better perform every single night. Where there was other times, I think maybe you saw this. But didn't see it. It wasn't. Um, it just wasn't brought to light as much as we're seeing it now. And guys, at the end of last season, it was my impression when Army made the comments about players are more concerned about the 18 seconds on TikTok than they are eight, playing 18 <laughs> right. minutes a game. We got to figure out how to get 18 minutes a game out of them. I thought that was all directed at Jordan Cairo. That and was my impression. He got the big contract. And so that yeah. is the thing is that we are also going to keep constantly comparing him to Robert Thomas. Obviously two very different players, but because they both got those matching big contracts that kicked in mm-hmm. this year. And so there is a comparison you can make between the two. Do you guys question Robert Thomas's consistency and his effort every single night? No. No. No, and I I think Robert Thomas can keep Drew Bannister employed as the head coach of the Blues. I think Jordan Cairo is capable of it. Those are the keys. If Drew Bannister is going to be the permanent head coach of the Blues, those are the two keys. I have no questions about Robert Thomas. I do question whether or not Cairo is a guy that will keep that coach around because I think a lot of us think I'm one of them. Fair or unfair, I think Kyrou is a big part of Craig Berube getting fired. And I, I think that that's a very fair point to bring up because, I mean, how can you not? It's very clear that there was something that was going on there. And I just want to point out something that just slightly bothered me. And maybe I'm just reading into this too much about the Kyrou quote that I read a little bit earlier where he said, we. He kept saying we. Have you guys noticed that sometimes he says we a lot in these comments? I sometimes miss Ryan O'Reilly and how he would always put the onus on himself. Always. He always say, I, I. And of course, you don't have to do that. And sometimes it's, you know, a little repetitive. But at the same time, he understood that it went through him and he is a leader. He is the guy that everybody's looking to. Every once in a while, I would just like to hear Jordan Cairo saying that, knowing that, yes, he doesn't have the C on his chest, but he does have the big contract yep. there. Here's the thing to do when you're a leader. When you're losing, it's I. When you're winning, it's we. Or uh, when or we're the, losing, them. yeah, you, you you take it upon yourself. You take ownership when, when you're losing. 
So you, you started this segment by saying, how does the benching of Bucinavich, then Thomas, and Cairo affect Drew Bannister's future as a coach? I actually think he gets respect in the room by doing it. Yep. And whether the players like it or not, the, the guys that got benched, talking about two of your best players, two of your highest paid players, and it just sends a message to everybody else. Hey, if they can do it to those guys, they can do it to me. And we've got to be collectively, we as collectively a team have to be better. And if Cairo plays well on the rest of this trip, then it worked. And yep. if Cairo checks out, then it didn't. Yep. And, and again, I don't think any of us question Robert, right? Robert... It, it was a bad game for everybody, and he was caught in the, in the fire there, caught in the crossfire, and got benched. You're 100% right, Randy. I'll be interested tonight, five, first five to ten minutes, mm-hmm. watching that top line and just mm-hmm. see if they're flying around the ice. Good things could happen, but I just want to see total effort from all three. Total effort. I'm up for it. All right, coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got our rush hour reset. The Cardinals busy yesterday, St. Louis City SC in action, and the Blues in action tonight as well. We're going to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive with a rush hour reset. It is 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley, Danny Mack, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals will pitch Sonny Gray against the Red Sox today. And here is the Cardinal lineup for this afternoon. Brendan Donovan at second base leading off. Goldie hitting second. Lars Newtbar is your number three hitter in left field. And then you've got Arenado as the DH. Contreras and Walker in right. Win at shortstop hitting seventh. Sajasi hitting eighth and playing third base. And Victor Scott is in center field and batting ninth. Pretty good. There we and, go. Uh, Cardinals wearing the home whites today. So uh, this is the first time they've had the opportunity to wear the see-throughs. Good for them. The, the see-through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, Randy. No, we can't talk about that anymore. It has been very controversial, hasn't it? It is, yeah. it's. I, I like it. I think it's fun. You like the see-through pants? I like them a lot. Yeah, they look very cool. <laughs> and they're, they're going to be especially, there, Randy. It's good, they're going to be especially attractive come July in St. Louis. I they got to fix this thing. I think that they will. <laughs> I think they will too. They have to. I mean, yeah. the, the names on the back, the way the jersey, the the fact that they don't, the players don't like it. The big factor that you can see. Through the pants, it's probably not a good thing. No. So I would assume Major League Baseball steps in and tries to do something to um, make sure that that's corrected. And uh, today, the Cardinals will have Brandon Crawford, the former Giant shortstop, in Jupiter to take a physical. And Katie Wu reporting that uh, the Cardinals' plan is to make the Brandon Crawford signing official as early as today. All he needs to do is pass a physical, and it's not like he's done anything since the end of last season to <laughs> cause himself to not pacifistical so good it's just uh, cross some T's dot some I's yeah. and then we'll see the emergence of Brandon Crawford it's gonna be odd man seeing him in a Cardinals uniform after mm-hmm. all those years with the Giants it's just uh, you know one of those things where you see a veteran player jump from that original team and all of a sudden that original player is gonna be in st. Louis how do we all feel about this because I think that this makes a lot of sense and this is the right thing to do but I know that some people get a little bit fixated worrying on what exactly his role will be if we'll see him more than Mason Wynn. if anything he's just gonna be behind Mason Wynn, and this allows Mason more of a chance to continue to grow and learn yeah, yeah. and not that I don't want to see the infield of Arenado Crawford Carpenter and Goldie I want to see the 
So See an old infield there, Randall. Back in the <laughs> back in the late fifties, the Phillies had I think it was the Phillies, maybe maybe it was the White Sox. I think it was the Phillies. No, it was the Go Go White Sox. And the Phillies had a, a fast team and they were called the Wiz Kids. Then in nineteen eighty three they put an infield together similar to that age and they were called the Wheez Kids. <laughs> right. I always think about the uh the infield that stuck with the Dodgers all those years. That you'll say never Russell see it again. Garvey, yep. You'll never see it again. Never. It was almost a decade together. I mean, that's, that's incredible. For now, in this day of free agency, that would never happen. But um, I think what you have to look at for those that are just joining us, and it was talked about yesterday in the fast lane. We talked about it earlier. It, it would you'd have to assume Tommy Edmond, who would have been the backup to Mason Wynn, uh, doesn't uh, seem to be ready to go. Maybe for opening day, so you get some protection. Sign Brandon Crawford. He's not there to take the place of Mason Wynn. He's there to provide, I'm sure, a sounding board. He's there to provide veteran leadership. And boy, do they have enough of that now with the Cardinals. They got plenty of it. But uh, you'll see him and give you a competitive at-bat, and he can still play defense. He's 37. He'll know his role. They've explained it to him, I'm, I'm sure. And... Mason Wynn does not need to look over his shoulder. No, and that's what this isn't about. This is just more depth to be able to add that in there. And some people might ask, okay, what about Brennan Donovan? Why isn't he an option? And that's because he is coming off of that ligament repair surgery on his right elbow. So this is just more cautionary because you wouldn't want to put him in that situation. And Donovan at second base today, that's notable because they've used Gorman at second base a lot early. By the way, that 1983 Phillies team, Bo Diaz was their catcher, 30 years old. Uh, their first baseman was 42-year-old Pete Rose. Their second baseman was 39-year-old Joe Morgan. Their shortstop was 30-year-old Ivan Jesus, eventual Cardinal. Their uh, third baseman was 33-year-old Mike Schmidt, 32-year-old Gary Matthews in left, 33-year-old Gary Maddox in center, and then the kid was 24-year-old Von Hayes. He must have felt left out. Von Hayes seemed to be around forever as yeah. a pinch hitter with the Phillies and bounced around then at the end of his career. I always thought he gave you a great at-bat, too. He, he seemed to be like a cardinal killer. I could be wrong about that. I just remember that being the case with Von Hayes. He hit the ball where Ozzie was diving exactly. out and Kurt Ford was diving in in 1986. By the way, Tony Perez, 41 years old, was on that bench. It was basically the, re- the big red machine reincarnated in... In, in Philly, Philly yeah. yeah. What was that record? What did they finish in '83? They did they win the World Series? They were ninety and seventy-two, finished first in the East, and lost the World Series to the Orioles. Yep. So uh, anyway, that's uh, the Cardinals are going to have some old people in the, <laughs> and Brandon Crawford is going to join them. Old being relative, right? It is, yeah. For baseball for, terms, old for baseball players, that's right. The Blues have activated Justin Falk from LTIR. Matthew Kessel back to Springfield as the Blues get ready to take on the Jets tonight. Six o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Seven o'clock faceoff, and then tomorrow night a 6:30 faceoff from Edmonton as the Blues take on the Oilers and St. Louis City SC getting ready for more action, and they have had to dig into their depth. Uh, for their third game of the season against Houston Dynamo. Their third game of the season, yes, because they're being tested right now with their schedule. We talked about it earlier, but just a really tough stretch here for them. And you have some key injuries. I mean, Tim Parker, is he going to be able to perform? Is he going to be able to go out there? That still seems to be a question mark. And for Sam Adinaran, it's going to be a homecoming for him. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. So back-to-back for the Blues. Yeah. And the Jets have won 6-7. Then you got Edmonton tomorrow, as J.K. said in our visit with him. And you go back to the podcast and Mm -hmm. listen to that on 101 ESPN. But he said probably the two biggest games of the season upcoming for the Blues. I would assume Bennington tonight, Mm -hmm. Hofer tomorrow. Back-to-back games. We'll see what they do between the pipes. And my big question is for Matthew. 
So, Matthew, the game is at 9.30 tonight. We're talking not not hockey. We're talking soccer. Are you going to stay up and watch it? Yeah, I no, will. Not a, there isn't a chance that you'd sleep and miss it? No, I didn't think so. Okay, Randall, what else you got? <laughs> uh, the other thing I have is that... Are you going to stay up, that, Dan? Uh, are you going to stay up and watch uh, it? I'll watch the Blues and then probably switch over and watch a little bit of it and then yeah. see how far I can make it. Yeah. I don't get to watch a lot of... Uh, Liga MAX. So yeah, I, I, I really want City to go far in this tournament so I can watch those those big name Mexican teams that I never get to. Sure. Yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. And finally, last summer before training camp started, there was much news about a Zoom call with many top flight NFL running backs. And among those that were on the Zoom talking about how running backs were underpaid were Saquon Barkley of the Giants and Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, they both uh, wound up, uh, actually, Barkley signed right before training camp. Jacobs missed some time before he got in there. Yesterday was the opportunity for NFL teams to franchise tag players. Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, uh, Pollard of the Cowboys, Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, and Austin Eckler of the Chargers, all not tagged. NFL teams don't care about running backs because you just don't need to worry about having a great one. Great ones don't allow, don't cause you to win Super Bowls. It's nice to have them, but they don't cause you to win Super Bowls. And when you look at the the example of the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, they go from Clyde Edwards-Alaire and they take a seventh rounder like Pacheco and they they just keep winning. Now, San Francisco is the best guy and the, the, he carries them in uh, Christian McCaffrey. But for the most part, for most teams, the running back is a fungible item and you can just find a new one in the seventh round like the Chiefs did. It's and crazy. And multiple it? ones. I mean, you can. That's just what it seems like most teams will do because it is a quarterback driven league and you're seeing the NFL, not that that is anything new, but it's even more so now and you're seeing what the priority is. With the Tennessee Titans and Derrick Henry, they didn't go on to win a championship with him, and he was kind of at the forefront of their offense. So you see how that worked out mm-hmm. for the Titans, of course. So I'm interested to see where some of these guys go to. I feel like Henry is going to go to the Ravens. That's just what I feel like in this moment. How about our St. Louis and Ezekiel Elliott? He's another one that out uh, is out there. And A.J. Dillon of the Packers. It is uh, probably the greatest free agent class. Not probably. It is the greatest mm-hmm. free agent class of running backs in the history of the National Football League. I think it is, yeah. And you've got some guys between the ages of 26 and 30. There's still clearly some tread left on the tires for Derrick Henry. And you also have the, the other guys that we mentioned. I'm interested to see uh, a couple of things. Number one, where Saquon goes, because I think he's the best Dallas. of these guys. Could be. Yep. But who does Jim Harbaugh get in in That's the LA. one he wants, I bet. I would Saquon. think so. Saquon yep. kind of fits what Jim Harbaugh likes to do. That Frank Gore... Uh, you know, the uh, he's fast but strong and big and powerful. I could see that happening. With some of the names too that we got that we just listed, is it crazy to you that Todd Gurley is younger than them? It's amazing, isn't it? He's twenty nine. Really? He just got used up. Yeah. Wow. Well, and that's that's what you kind of think of too with the running backs is yeah. how long will they last? So would you right. give them a big contract, especially oh. towards that age? Well, and Todd, remember he had had the surgery before he was drafted, and the Rams knew that he was on borrowed time, and that's one of the things they wanted to do was get him into as few games as possible in St. Louis because they knew they were going to move and try to turn him into a star when he got to L.A. But he did turn in a rookie of the year. Yeah, he was terrific. He I was, think he surprised uh, him. Uh, outstanding, and uh, 
Man, I can't believe that you just brought that up, Brooke. It, well, that's Saquon amazing. is younger than him, 27, but still, Todd Gurley is 29. And then you have Derrick Henry, who's a little bit older than him. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's I don't know, it's crazy that Todd Gurley is kind of lost in that conversation. Yeah. How many years then in the league for Gurley? Five years? Yeah, 15, 16, 17, 18. Did he go 19, the year with Atlanta? That's incredible. So, yeah. I can't believe that you brought that up. That's yeah. yeah sorry, a the good year stat. the year with Atlanta was his sixth year in the league. Yeah, he so, uh, so that was twenty. Yep, yeah, six years, six thousand yards, sixty-seven touchdowns. Mm. Pretty good, good fantasy player. Mm-hmm. That's what we remember him for. That's your rush hour reset on one hundred and one ESPN. Coming up today is the first start in a Cardinals uniform for Sonny Gray. How many championships do the Cardinals win with him? That's next on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. (laughs) All right, the Cardinals prized offseason acquisition, Sonny Gray, will pitch against the Red Sox today in his Cardinal debut. And here's the thing. If he pitches great, I expect it. If he doesn't pitch great, he was working on something. So, I'm good. <laughs> it's his first start. Man. I know. I'm looking it's, forward to it's it. It's just the first. Well, this is this is the start of history today, Dan, according uh, to here Randy. We go with the, now you're getting lumped in on this stuff, too. <laughs> uh, I, I like to egg it on. Well, it's, egg it's it on fun. all you want. It's uh, the ace of this team. I he mean, is. that's that's the thing. and. You know, I, I guess with Randy, I, I will agree. He doesn't give you a ton of innings. He's 34 over the past three seasons. He's averaged 146 innings pitched. But then he did finish second to Garrett Cole in the AL Cy Young. Third best mm-hmm. ERA. Home run rate was first among MLB starters. He had 5.3 wins above replacement, only behind Zach Wheeler and Spencer Strider. So I'm not sure what you wanted coming into this season. Now we're going we're gonna to be on opposite ends of this. I think he's mm-hmm. a pretty good pitcher. Is he a number one? We're going to find out. And, and yeah, I, I think he's pretty good. And so far in his career, he hasn't proven himself to be a number one. Uh, has he gotten past the first round of the playoffs? I don't think he has. Is it but, all on him? No, it's not. But part of it is because, to me, again, what a legitimate number one does is wins postseason games for you. You, when he takes the mound in a postseason game, you win. Why did the Cardinals not beat Philadelphia a couple of years ago? Well, aside from the fact that they screwed up with the Quintana, but that, that's, <laughs> that's another say. story altogether. <laughs> but don't, don't if the, if the Cardinals pitch Sonny Gray in a playoff game against Wheeler or Nola, who do you think who who would you before that game? If they're healthy, give me some other names in Major League Baseball that you would take that weren't under contract. That you would assign this oh, offseason to face Zach Wheeler or Nola, and they're, they're, those guys. I mean, they, they had to go out and not, get a guy they, that was they, like that. They and, they did. and that's my point: is it's unfair just because he was the guy that was available to them to think that he's going to be an ace. He's he's not. He he was the best guy available, but just because he was the best guy available during this offseason doesn't mean he's one of the best. Uh, I I disagree. I, I think he's better than you think. I, I, time will tell, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I think he's a lot better than you think he is. I, I hope that he gives us a one-hitter on Memorial Day. I hope that he's there for game one of the playoffs and is, as a, is a stud and gives us six or seven innings where he allows only one run and, and provides the team a great opportunity to win. I hope he throws 184 innings like he did last year, although 
when you look at his numbers, last time he'd thrown as many as 184 was 2015. But I hope he does throw 184 innings for the Cardinals again. I, I hope he's all of those things. And I hope the Cardinals, rather than going 14 and 18 in his 32 starts, as the Twins did, the 87 win Twins did last year. But that, that, I hope the Cardinals that, there's go. There's so many mitigating factors, though, in wins or losses anymore. I. So I'm torn on I'm this whole thing. I'm about winning. At, 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 I at the end of, that. end of the day, I, what, we don't base going to the playoffs on ERA or WAR or WHIP. We we base it on winning, and I want to have a pitcher that wins games for me. What what happens though if people make errors behind him or they get one hit themselves offensively? That's well, not on him. Why didn't that happen to Pablo Lopez for the Twins but, last year? That, that's not on him though. They answer the question: What happens with other mitigating factors that go into this? There, I, I think if you if you talk to pitchers that win games, they understand there is an art to winning. There there are pitches to be made at key points in games where they know that, that that's that. going to give them the their team the best opportunity to win the game. And guys that won a lot of games that I've talked to over the years say that there is absolutely... We, we were talking about Jose De Leon earlier. With all that stuff, and all those numbers. Why didn't Jose De Leon win more? Because he wasn't a pitch maker. Now, I'm not saying that Sonny Gray is not, but the under 500 record would lead me to believe that there are better guys out there. I just think, too, with him, though, somewhat reinventing himself with a slider, with the sweeper, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Again, I, I get it, Randy. He's 34 years old. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I, I think he's better than what you think, and maybe he's not as good as what well, I think. He's the best guy the Cardinals have. But he's not among the half dozen best in the league. So what would you say? I'm just going to throw this out there. And he's not Clayton Kershaw. But Kershaw's postseason records Mm -hmm. are not great. So, you know what I mean? You can make Mm -hmm. the argument with that, too. Sometimes guys are better in the postseason than they are uh, in the regular season and vice versa. So, you know, I I think it's a wait and see for me. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And at the time, I thought he was the right guy for them to go get. I think so, too. It just makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals to go get him. It seems like he was always meant to be a Cardinal. And here's the thing is that I do see both sides of this, too. Now, Randy, and you'll agree with this, I think that we were all hoping for them to make another addition to the starting rotation. A younger maybe guy, a guy that you could see as an ace. A guy that's but, an ace. But don't you think that in this day and age, and somebody pointed this out on the text line, I agree with this from the 314, gone are the days of aces. Well, Don't you think it has changed a lot I, in Major League Baseball? I, I would argue that Framber Valdez is an ace. I would argue that Nathan Evaldi last year down the stretch is an ace. I would argue that when uh, Max Scherzer a couple of years ago uh, was uh, coming down the stretch with before he got hurt with the Dodgers, he was an ace. I would argue that Justin Verlander is an ace. I, I disagree. With you. you telling me Spencer Strider isn't an ace? I, I would vehemently disagree with that. Who's the best ace right now in the Central Division, the National League Central? You got Justin Steele. I was going to say Steele. Yeah, probably him. Yeah, I mean, but do you think Sonny Gray is that far behind him? No, no. But uh, see, and we're talking about the Central. But let's look around the league because I want to get to the World Series. I understand that. So who do I like among – and it's it's not just a great thing because I think Gray would be fine as a number two. But what you have when you have a legit number one – and yes, you're right. The Cardinals didn't have a chance for that guy. But you have a one to go against Strider. Now you're number two. Who's your, who's your number two this year? My, my, Michaelis, Gibson, Lynn. Boy, that's got to play itself out with yeah, the age but, of these guys so for sure. Going against Max Freed in a game two? 
kind of like Max Fried. That, that's yeah. honestly what concerns me most this season about the Cardinals rotation is the other pieces that also have to work here. Miles Michaelis has to be able to bounce back this season. Will he be able to do that? Kyle Gibson, will he improve? And then Lance Lynn, we saw his numbers. I do think that there was a lot of other external factors there, but will he be able to improve? Of course, they're going to be innings eaters, but you get concerned about the quality of those innings. Yeah. And by the way, Three years ago, Robbie Ray had a career season, won the Cy Young for the Blue Jays, went and signed the big money contract with uh, Seattle, and hasn't been the same since, just got traded. Uh, the same thing happened... Where did uh, he go, Arizona? Uh, for San Francisco. That's right, And, and he won't Francisco. pitch until, I don't think, July. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe June. Uh, Stephen Matz had that magnificent season with the Blue Jays, right? Signs with the Cardinals, four years, 44 or 48 million. 44. And he's been hurt ever since. So... I'm I'm not always wary, but I am wary of pitchers who have consecutive seasons where they're throwing, uh, let's leave the COVID year out, but you're, you're throwing 130, 175, 135, 119. Then all of a sudden you jump up to 184 in the year before you're going to be a free agent. You know, I, I, it's a, that's a concern, isn't it? Uh, what is the guy? Is he what he was for the five years before last year? Or is he what he was last year? Do you buy into his slider? That can make you, you know, that makes you a better pitcher. Yeah. By no means, by the way, don't take this the wrong way. By no means am I going to compare him to Steve Carlton. Steve Carlton completely changed his career. Left-handed. No, the the comp is Bob Gibson. Oh, okay, Randy. (laughs) Randy, I'm just bringing up a slider. How he changed his slider, learned it from Bob Gibson, became a different pitcher. Again, I want to make this clear. I'm not comparing him to Steve Carlton. What I'm saying is sometimes guys can find things with a repertoire that changes the trajectory of their career. And maybe Sonny Gray has done that. And that is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that he's a different pitcher in 2024 than he really has been for his entire career. I also think that there's something about him and the way he goes about his business. I think that mm-hmm. can rub off on young pitchers too. So am I paying $75 million for him to do that? No, I'm paying $75 mm-hmm. million for him to give you a chance to win. Um, and, and as part of the, the innings thing, Randy, I don't necessarily agree. And I'll tell you why. It, it just... It's in this day and age, the 200 inning guy is pretty much obsolete. Yes. Um, if I can get to 150 innings with starters now, it seems like that's a pretty good year because you go two times through a lineup, maybe three, and what's that get you to five or six innings? And that's what you're asked to do now, whether you like it or not. That's just kind of the way baseball is played. It is by the analytics. I don't like it, it's, but that's but how it's done. Bochi doesn't do it that way, does he? Not all the time. Just Dusty didn't do it that way, did he? That's your last two World Series winners. He also had the arms, though, to do it. Right. You know, that's that's a different story, too. you got to have the right personnel. Yeah. That's all. I, I just, I again, I think he's better than what you think, and maybe I'm overvaluing what he truly is. We'll find out. Yeah, I'm, and hey, I'm a Cardinal fan. I, I want him to win. It's not like I don't want him to win, but I'm just looking at the career i'm looking at the 11 years and trying to figure out at what point anybody thought that he was that number one that the cardinals believe that he is now maybe because he changed yeah i mean that could be it hopefully that's the case hopefully again hopefully that 14 and 18 in the starts turns into 18 and 14 this year that would be big for the cardinals but if he goes 14 and 18 they're kind of screwed if 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 the team goes 14 and 18 and sunny gray starts this year and it's, this is a team that, by the way, was 19th in runs last year. 
if uh, if they go 14 and 18 in his starts, where are the other wins going to come from? So you just kind of made my point. 19th and runs, that's not up to Sonny Gray. That's up to the offense. No, and that's why you have to pitch great. You got to pitch well, no yep. doubt. Yeah, you have to pitch really well. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN. Well, that was a fun segment, I got to tell you. <laughs> hey, uh, 28 years ago, the, the Blues traded for Wayne Gretzky. Is that the biggest trade for a superstar that a St. Louis team has ever made? And if you remember, what do you remember about that time that the Blues had Wayne Gretzky? That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The legend has arrived in St. Louis. Really, the town has never seen anything quite like this. What'll happen tonight? Well, it's a sellout crowd. Wayne Gretzky makes his Blues debut at Keel Center in St. Louis. He takes the ice live with us in just a moment. (laughs) What a time that was 28 years ago when the Blues acquired Wayne Gretzky, the greatest hockey player of all time. And that was actually his home opener. But the Blues made the deal 28 years ago tonight. And then he played in his first game for the Blues in Vancouver on uh, uh, on the 29th. It was another leap year, I guess, in 1996. Uh, and, and it brought to mind who the greatest athlete the the St. Louis teams have ever brought to town was. Was it? Uh, Gretzky seems to be the logical choice. But the Cardinals brought McGuire to town in 1997 in that famous trade. The Rams, and Marshall Falk wasn't, he, he was awesome. But I don't think he really became Marshall Falk until he got here. Right. Agreed. Yep. Wasn't the same player. He, he was very good with the Colts, but not like he was here. Um, now, are we doing the, the trades from that trade, or are we looking uh, all told? We can go all time. And I don't count Brock because he wasn't established by the time the Cardinals got him. How about Ozzy? Ozzy was pretty good. He won a couple of gold gloves. You traded Templeton for him. Uh, that, that's a really nice call. He'd been a, in, an all-star by that time, too. I'm going to give you a more recent one, just because he was able to lead the Blues, a key part of leading the Blues to winning a Stanley Cup, bringing in Ryan O'Reilly. The thing was, with O'Reilly, he'd been a team underachiever during the course of his career. Everybody wanted him, but his his teams had underachieved, and especially in Buffalo. Remember, one of the reasons they traded him, which was idiotic, was because he said after the season, I hate losing and it's made me lose my love for the game a little bit. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to believe. Right. A guy that's on the ice, the last guy to leave the ice every practice before every game. Mm-hmm. Consummate hard worker, leader. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, this is one that no one will talk about, but it may be the craziest trade in St. Louis sports. Rogers Hornsby for Frankie Frisch. Yeah. Oh. Rogers Hornsby for a five-year period hit over 400. Mm-hmm. Now Frisch got to St. Louis in 27 and was good, very good. Um, but that was a trade that like the city shut down. They were like, "This is insanity. How could you get trade Rogers Hornsby for Frankie Frisch?" Yeah, that's hard to imagine. That is a really good one. I I think the Mark McGuire one is really intriguing because the impact that he had as well. Can you guys just walk me through what it was like in that moment? Because wasn't Walt Jockety kind of pulling the strings of what was actually going on behind the scenes, and it was a little bit of a surprise? Well, here's what happened. I I was doing post game open line one night, and they got him right at the deadline, 1997. Yep. And 
I, I'm doing my postgame open line, and Walt was up in his office listening. And I said on the postgame open line, I said, people, people were calling in about McGuire and all these other teams, especially the Angels were after him. And I said, you know what? We should just close the door. We shouldn't stop dreaming about McGuire anymore. Let's think about something else here. And Walt comes down after I finish the segment, and I walk out. He waves me out. And he said, hey, I wouldn't give up on this McGuire thing so quickly if I were you. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, I said, okay. He said, just, uh, uh, th- that's what I'll tell you, is I wouldn't shut it down quite yet. I said, okay. And then I went back in, and I was much more confident yeah. on the air <laughs> after he had said it. But the big thing for them at that point was, and little did we know, when Mark McGuire was driving across the Bay Bridge, uh, going I think he was going, I guess he was driving back into, across the Bay Bridge into the San Francisco area from Oakland. And uh, he's, uh, Walt's telling him, hey, you get to come back and play for your dad, because Tony was like his second dad. And Walt is telling him how, on how great St. Louis is, and he says, look, just come here for a couple of months. We won't put any pressure on you. Just come here and check it out. You might like it. You never know. And then when you become a free agent, you can go back and be with the Angels. And uh McGuire obviously came here, showed up, and fell in love right away. He told us a story a couple of years ago. He said, I've never told this to anybody. He was, after the 98 season, he was doing a photo shoot in Anaheim. At, that's right near his home. And at Angel Stadium, and he's in the locker room, and the equipment guy comes out and says, hey, hang on here for just a second. I got something for you. He comes out with a number 25 McGuire Angels jersey. He said, we were so sure we were getting you that they had me make this up. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think the impact of the trades in the last, let's say, oh, 50 years, McGuire is the biggest. It changed the fortunes of this franchise. So you got him the two months in 97. The place was buzzing, and he went off. Remember, he kind of got off to a slow start, and then all of a sudden, home mm-hmm. runs are flying, and the place gets packed. So you had the impact of a lot of people paying for tickets to come to the ballpark. 98 happens, and the place is packed every single night. 99, he hit 65, mm-hmm. and the place is packed. And to ownership's credit, they took that money and reinvested it in payroll. Mm-hmm. That's when you got Edmonds coming here, you got Renteria coming here, uh, Fernando Vina, Dave Veers, and some of the names that you don't necessarily associate had a trickle-down effect because of that trade and people coming to the ballpark. And that's what Gretzky would have done for the Blues. Absolutely. If they would have kept him around, they would have sold out every game. They would have been able to sell at a premium price for tickets because that was the guy to see. That was the place to be. He Gretzky could have had the same effect on the Blues at that time. And by, by the way, Brett Hull had already made them a lot of money. But Gretzky could have had that dramatic of an effect on the Blues that McGuire had on the Cardinals. And you think about the Cardinals then in 2000, really good team. And that's when they started mm-hmm. to win yep. because they invested their payroll into the players. Yep. It's 2000, 01, 02, missed out in the final weekend in 03, World Series 04, 100 win team 05, win the World Series 06. I mean, list goes on and on. That, yeah. that impact really of the trade set the tone for the franchise for the next 10 or 15 years. 100%. You mentioned Jim Edmonds. We got a lot of texts from the 314 here talking about the Edmonds trade being one of the bigger ones, but it all goes back to McGuire there. Yeah, and, and Jimmy became legendary. He, it's another guy. He he upped his game here in St. Louis. We knew he was a, a really really good player, but he took his game to another level when he got to St. Louis. Hundred percent, and taught outfielders how to play mm-hmm. the game. He would go to Dave Duncan before games and say, "How are you pitching, player X? I want to know." 
and then he would shade understanding his pitcher, how they're going to play him, and then he would shade appropriately for the hitter at the plate. I mean, he's a there's guys that are baseball savants that all of them are very smart players, I would like to think. Mm-hmm. But there's certain guys that are at a different level. He's one of them. Chris Carpenter, Albert, Yachty yeah. come to mind immediately. I was there, by the way, the day that Edmonds walked into the clubhouse down in Jupiter and walked up to Mark McGuire, shook his hand, two Southern California guys, and Big Mac says, welcome to baseball heaven. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they, they loved it. Yeah, they, they they absolutely did. One other guy, by the way, and I, it doesn't rise to the level of a Gretzky or McGuire, yeah. but here's a guy that, before he came to St. Louis, second in the MVP voting, second in the MVP voting, 11th, 3rd, and 6th before he gets to St. Louis. Paul Goldschmidt was a hell of an acquisition by the Cardinals. And Arenado. And yeah. I, I put with those two incomplete because they're still right. playing, and we'll see yep. the impact that they can make this year and uh, the next couple of years, probably. But on the days they got those guys, those were huge deals. Yes, they were. It's, it's amazing to think that those two guys, if if before the Cardinals got uh, Goldie in 2018, if you would have said, okay, in five years, Goldschmidt's going to be playing first and Arnauto's going to be playing third on the same team, the Cardinals would have been like 10th on the list, maybe 12th of, you'd think the Yankees, the Dodgers, mm-hmm. maybe not the Angels because they had Albert at the time. But you would have put uh, the Cubs, the Mets, you would have put so many teams ahead of the Cardinals if you said, okay, Arnauto and Goldie are going to be on the same team. But it wound up being the Cardinals. I'll give you another one that's, and I know this is not the impact that uh, we're talking about, but nationally West fans are going to turn in, uh, tune into a Cardinal game this year, and Nolan Arenado is going to be at third. Brandon Crawford's going to be at short, right. and Paul Goldschmidt's going to be at first. And they're going to say, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> These are three of the premium players at one point right. in the NL West. Yeah, great point, great point. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Want to throw one other name out there. Two years before the Blues acquired Wayne Gretzky, they had acquired Al McKinnis, who was already a Hall of Fame quality player by the time he got here and gave the Blues many good years of Hall of Fame quality play. But that that's a miss because Chopper is one guy that was already Hall of Fame worthy when he got to St. Louis. I think you had to put the Pronger deal in there too, right? Mm-hmm. But it, now you gave up what a, he turned out to become. Yeah. yeah, you gave up a great player, but he turned into a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So that's another one. We also got some texts in about why we didn't mention Matt Holiday. Yeah, that's, or Scott I, there, Rowland. There's so many yeah. when you keep thinking about it, yeah. and the list goes on and on and on. Wayno as well. Bruce Souter was the final piece of a puzzle. Yeah, you know, it's you knew. I'm talking about. Guys that you knew were great when you got them. Yeah. And uh, Suter was the, like he said, the final, guy. final piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah. Pretty Nine. good stuff. Yep. Sorry about that. No, let's rock uh-huh. and roll. 9.30 p.m. tonight, St. Louis City will face off against the Houston Dynamo down in Houston in leg two of round one of the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And if you want to put a, maybe a little little taster on it if you're driving over to the other side of the river, by the way, they will be debuting their Confluence kits, which are the ones oh, that yeah. we saw in, in yeah. studio a few weeks ago. City right now is you can get them plus, one, plus 280 on the money line. The tie is also going for plus 280 on the money line. Um, I also 
also, but if you want to also just like extend it to, will City qualify for the next round of the CONCACAF Champions Cup? You can get them at minus 142 right now. So they're technically favorites, although they're not favorites to win this match, they are favorites to win this round out, mm. coming out of this match. And one thing to watch for tonight again is the away goal rule. If you're not familiar with it, essentially that's the first tiebreaker who is whoever has the most away goals scored. Houston has an away goal scored. So if they just score one tonight and win one nothing, it will be a 2-2 tie, but Houston would win off that tiebreaker. So the last thing so but if City scores any goal tonight, that eliminates that tiebreaker and kind of settles things down. So right. an early City goal obviously would give them a 3-1 lead aggregate, but it also would take away and make the comeback from Houston pretty much impossible they would have to score three goals at that point to win it outright and by the way there is no extra time uh in this game it goes straight to penalties if it's tied and the tiebreaker does not um matter so by the way if you want to get city to win in penalties if you think it's going to be a tie after 90 you can get them plus 3500 to win in penalties I'm wow. liking this a lot. That, that was a lot to take in there. I don't know if I exactly grasped all of the different situations because that seems very complicated. It's <laughs> all the different the scenarios. It's super complicated. <laughs> it is. Why does it have to be? My that's my question is why does it have to be so complicated? The away goals tiebreaker is it's it's a European thing and it's the dumbest thing in the world. It's it's the one thing about European soccer that I as an American I can't. It's a weird tie. It's a weird tiebreaker to me. Yeah. Just why not have? If you're gonna do these two like competitions, just have it be a full aggregate, and then go into penalty kicks or extra time if it's tied after the two legs. I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why away goals is the big tiebreaker. I guess they really want to emphasize that if you break somebody's home field advantage, that's a really big deal. I, still, I guess like that's that's weird and nuanced. I, I guess I, I shouldn't say weird. It's just very complex. How about weird. that? In fairness, <laughs> is, there, is, is there something already in American sports that's like that? Like if you break somebody's home field advantage, especially in the 2-3-2 two, two format, you kind of have a pretty big advantage in that series at that point, don't you? If yeah. you take one if you take one of the home games in the first two games from the home team, you get a pretty right. big advantage in that way. So it's kind of the same way that you give a team an advantage for breaking home field. By the which way, I Randy, think makes sense. I hope your team does well tonight. Which one? Because <laughs> you're wearing Houston Dynamo's colors. Oh, yeah, I hope I your team does that, yeah. well I was tonight. Told that I was, I you're was a traitor, Randy. Yeah, Houston you're a traitor. I didn't know you were such a fan of Houston a, until today. I, I am. <laughs> I am. It's all because of C.J. Stroud. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, That's all it I'm took, just huh? all in on Houston. <laughs> I'm an Astros fan with their orange. Oh. Yep, I am. I just thought there was, you go. I thought I was a born and bred St. Louis and you just liked humidity that much. Well, I think it's just peanut butter cups. <laughs> Looking good. Thank you, bro. No problem. But anyway, through all that, I, I think that the, the best bet is probably um, City to qualify minus 142. Yes, let's go. I think, I think I just think that even with the defensive questions, I think with you have too much offensive talent. They were all over Houston on Tuesday night. They probably should have scored line three goals instead yeah. of just two. I, I think they'll win tonight. Hashtag LFG, as Tom go. Brady would say. Is that what Tom Brady would say? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that what he would say? Yeah, but probably not about City. He's a revolutionary. Mm. Maybe. I thought, you hated, I, I thought you hated that nickname. Are you okay with the new? No, revolutionaries are not. There's a difference between the revolution and the revolutionaries. I do hate the revolution, but uh, I hate the name the revolutionaries. Right. That's what GW is now. Okay. George Washington. Revolutionaries. What, what were they before? They colonials. were called the colonials. Colonials, yeah. yeah. I was going to say colonels. Yeah. That would actually, I would, that would work too. I would generals. like that. Yeah. That would have been great. You can't be the George Washington generals. Because then yeah. you're the Washington Generals. Yeah. yeah. You, you lose a lot of games. <laughs> you lose a lot yeah. of games. So well, uh, we hope you enjoy your Taco Tuesday. Everybody going to have a taco today? 
Come on, come on. Sure. Okay, there we go. Like to hear this. And then tomorrow's Uncle Randy Wednesday. Mm. It's also hump day. Tomorrow's hump day. There so you, you go. Got to enjoy that. Uh, Matthew, why are you grimacing? I don't know. I didn't like the way you said that. <laughs> I think it <laughs> <yeah. laughs> was too. You, you put a little emphasis on the syllable, and I didn't like that. Syllable. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> great job today by our producer, audio, video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocky. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke Grimsley, did you have fun today? Yeah, I did have fun. Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hope you enjoy your, your taco and have a great hump day tomorrow. Uh, level. Uh Danny Mac, as always, you're fabulous. No, pleasure. I that's how I'm gonna end it. Pleasure. Pleasure. Oh yeah. You're hey. fabulous. Hey. Thank you. Pleasure. Uh we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We have a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax coming up, followed by BK and Ferrario, and then the fast lane from two to six tonight, and then the pregame for the blues at Winnipeg. For all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great meh Tuesday, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.